coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzz on Movies. I'm Teddy. And I'm Matthew. You sound kind of dejected there. I don't know why. It, wasn't, it was supposed to be. Um, it was supposed to be above it, nonchalant, aloof. Oh, oh, you're just um, like you're just yeah. better than everything. Okay, I, I was like it. picking at my nails while I did it. You know, <laughs> I was. Um... <laughs> All right, I understand why you might be feeling that way. Would you care to share with the class how things are standing right now? Love to share with the class, actually. Um, unlike, well. Much like a certain character in Le, Le Pupil, Le, blah, 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 I can't even pronounce that one short. Um, I would love to share with the class. You see, <laughs> I have finished the Oscars death race. I am done. I am finit. I, uh, it is over. I have completed watching every single movie. Please clap, everyone. It is the Tuesday before the ceremony. Um, and well I am done. done. Very, now. very, very well done. Feels uh, good. Feels pretty good. <laughs> Good job. Uh, I have not done as well. Uh, I'm close. I'm much closer than I thought I'd be at this point. And I, I would say that I'm much closer this year than I've been in pretty much every previous year that I've actually successfully done this. So, so far, I would say I'm doing better than expected and well on track to finish. I still have four movies to go, but it's Tuesday. Like you said, um, we've got more than enough time to watch those four movies. Those four movies being all the beauty and the bloodshed close, the quiet girl and living. Um, and do you have but, a plan for all four of those? I mean, I've got, I have a way to watch all of them. I haven't really decided what order I'm going to watch them in yet, but I've got, I'm going to watch them all at home and I've got, time to do that at home so i didn't know the quiet girl was available at home well what never mind (laughs) well yeah you know (laughs) let's just say it's not available in theaters around here and leave it at that but one where i had to go to a theater i'd never been to like on the upper east side and it was like 10 40 a.m or something when i got there and um i'd never been to this theater and i had like an early bird ticket so it was ten dollars and i was like that's unheard of in new york city and <laughs> oh, in, yeah, on the upper yeah. east side manhattan i was like what the fuck is going on <laughs> um so i was all about it um but i'm there it's like 10 for like 10 something 11 in the morning and i'm just like hmm, it's a sunday i'm skipping church to see the quiet girl and um <laughs> it's like it's a like, religious experience I was like, well, I was like, I need to finish this Oscars death race. And I'm in this theater surrounded by like paired off old white couples. I mean, it literally could not have been more like clear what kind of people frequent this movie theater on the Upper East Side. And I was like, I see. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I would say 10 a.m. on the Upper East Side. You're that's going to be the crowd. Yeah, it was like clearly like old white couples who like. They probably, like, if they lived in small towns, like where I'm from, they were the people who walked the mall at, like, 8 a.m. They just walked <laughs> laps around the mall. Oh, yeah. Um, you know? Um, and so um, I was like, yeah. And, like, I literally got, like, 
double takes from some people and i was like i get it like i don't look like i belong on the upper east side i don't look like i'm part of this crowd at all Um, but i'm here and i have a coffee i bought a coffee i'm being respectful this is a theater that had beer and wine and i chose a coffee which is hard for me to do not not gonna get a 10 a.m beer at the i could have well Knowing me, I would have like at any other theater. I'd be like, "I, you have it. Can I get a mimosa?" I mean, like, come on, <laughs> like, um, but like, um, because I like, you know, I know I'm about to watch a movie that's gonna like make me cry or some shit. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. So that was like my experience of this theater that I'd never been to, and I was on the Upper East Side, and I was walking around, and I was like, "Man, it's a weird place." Um, I don't understand this. I did get to walk by 432 Park Ave um, right after fucking Vignoli died. Um, so it's like, all right, good for this. Um, uh, you had to pay your respects. Uh, was yeah, anybody out there like leaving flowers or? <laughs> <laughs> honestly, not that day, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, probably, like leaving, like, honestly, the people in this building were car. probably were throwing like parties. Um, the people <laughs> in that building hate that man. There's like nobody who hates that man more than the people who live in 432 Park Ave now. Um, because the elevators don't work when it's windy, you know? Yeah. Um, they probably... <laughs> Just normal <laughs> modern building things. And it's like such a big building. Like if the elevator doesn't work, you're like fucked. Like you can't do anything in that. But like um, that building is insane. Uh, every time I see it, I'm like, this is like the biggest eyesore in the city. Um, and that's saying something because I live in New York. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but that was cool. It's always fun when I get to go to a theater I've never been to before for um, yeah, yeah, that's an a Oscar fun watch. I feel like that's always nice. I feel like that's like a... A, like a like on the oscars watch list bingo that sh- that's like a box uh, right. for sure yeah um, i mean that should have that should have been part of my watch this year if the whole living plan had actually worked out but uh yeah, well, unfortunately you know extenuating we covered that, circumstances we covered yeah. that on the last episode not not fun but i did get to do one last theatrical watch which is always a favorite of mine i saw the animated shorts in a the theater um i saw it at the e street in dc which nice. is where I've seen most of the animated shorts over the years. Um, yeah. Even before I was really trying to like watch everything, I would usually go see the animated shorts at the E Street. Um, nice. And yeah, this was this was a good time. It was like felt like getting back to my roots. It was unfortunately like not as well attended as the animated shorts usually are. Like I I'm used to that being like a sold out crowd at the E Street because. Like it's the animated shorts and it's like two weeks before the Oscars. So you'd think there'd be a lot of people there, but it was, it was pretty sparse. It was the early show on Saturday. So like maybe that's probably a big part of it. Yeah. But you know, still, still a decent crowd. It was fun to see it with people around. So that was good. Yeah. And that was, that was a good way to, to fit in one more theatrical watch. So that was Uh, your last theatrical watch. Actually, no, I just, I just realized that because I just saw, uh women talking yesterday um that's what i thought because you yeah. said you were seeing that <laughs> that's I true said, i assumed it was theatrical that's true so we'll say we'll say it's the only theatrical watch of the shorts i've managed this year um but i was glad to do that glad to see uh women talking in the theater too that was part of the regal uh best picture nominees rewatch series which is good because oh, that nice it didn't yeah. have much availability the first time around so i missed it so i was glad that it came back around um but yeah anyway we're we've got a lot to talk about tonight because you've seen everything now i've seen almost everything so we have a lot to cover 
and we're going to get right into it. But before we do, what are we drinking tonight, Matt? Well, you see, Teddy, I was drinking a mini bottle of champagne to celebrate (laughs) that I was done. But due to extenuating circumstances, I finished that mini bottle of champagne. Um yeah, we should also um, mention that uh, the, the this recording session has been rather chaotic right now. This is sort of a buzzed on movies after dark at this point. We're getting started yes. real late because real late. I think that this may be the end for my computer, at least as far as recording goes, because it is that, it was, that just, was that was pretty bleak. That it was, was not bleak. having it tonight. So fortunately, I'm, I'm recording on Lauren's computer. If you're listening to this, thank you very much, baby. Like, <laughs> this is great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thank you so much. We're we're recording. Everything's fine. We're we're struggling through despite all the obstacles. Everything's fine usual. was absolutely giving dog in a house on fire. Um, <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. Um, um, yeah, no. So that sucks uh, for you, really. I'm not actually upset at you or the computer. Um, it's not, of course. Well, yeah. I'm upset at your computer, but. Um, <laughs> But um, me too. Not honestly, not your fault, obviously. Um, so unfortunately, while waiting, I did finish my celebratory mini champagne. Um, but I have a soursop margarita, so that's like kind of nice and tasty. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. 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 It's always nice. Um, it's not on I, theme at all. But, you know, it, that's I fine. You had it, at least so. one on theme. I purchased soursop nectar recently, and now it's like all I want to drink. So what's yeah. that? What what flavor is that? Soursop? It is I'm a fruit. Not... There is a fruit called soursop. Okay. Wow. What what it's kind tropical, of it's a tropical fruit. It's like a okay. Tropical. It's like super good. It's super good. Margarita. You should eat. Yeah, I mean soursop. I don't know where exactly it's native. I know it's like like some some parts of like South America. Yeah. Yeah. Tropical regions of the Americas and the Caribbean. Um, okay. Cool. It's really, really good. Um and my, one of my coworkers who's from Ecuador, um, he's always bringing in like soursop candy and soursop stuff. And so like I had a, I had a craving and so I sought it out and I was like, if there's anywhere I can get this, first of all, it's in my current neighborhood, which has a heavy Caribbean population. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I was oh, like, well, I good. should absolutely yeah. be able to find it, which is true. I found it here. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I was like, I will be able to find this and be able to make nice drinks from it. So nice. Nice, good new ingredient to add to the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I have started with a Negroni here in honor of all the Italian segments from Tell It Like a Woman. Yeah, well, there you go. Um. <laughs> and also uh, Le Pupil from uh, the live action shorts. It's Italian as well. So here we go. We've got an Italian drink. Uh, and I've got a backup as well. I've got a Lime Ricky ready to go. In honor of Babylon, the Roaring Twenties. Oh, I love a Lime Ricky. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Good call. Yeah, so we're doing it here. Uh, we're ready to hop into it. And why don't we start with Babylon? Um, this one I watched like immediately after logging off last Sunday when we were recording. Uh, and... This this rocks. <laughs> I love this movie <laughs> so much. I was expecting to like this quite a bit, but uh yeah, this movie is really really good. Uh this is the new Damien Chazelle movie. It's about uh like old Hollywood, the transition between silent film and uh sound film 
and uh, like about a just a collection of characters going through that transition. Some of them do better than others. Uh, it's kind of like a singing in the rain reprise, but like way more vulgar, way more over the top. There's there's vomit. There's elephant diarrhea. There's some incredibly bombastic music. It's just like the most in your face movie I've seen in quite a while. Uh, and this one really did it for me. That uh, I was honestly expecting you to love it. Um, when I when I saw it and like I mostly really liked it as well. Um, but I was like, yeah, Teddy's gonna like this movie. Um, <laughs> it just it felt extremely up your alley. I thought it's interesting. I thought it was weird that this movie got more of a mixed reaction from like online film people than I would have expected. Um, I find that odd. I think it's quite good. I think a lot of people don't like the the very ending with that weird um the montage, montage yeah. thing that's happening um and i kind of get that it was like jarring seeing like a brief clip of avatar um <laughs> in the middle of babylon in the middle of this um, 1920s and 30s movie just suddenly we're watching avatar like <laughs> yeah i was like hmm, okay um but i kind of liked that too i don't know i liked it i thought it was really good i thought um it was a lot of fun it was like what i wanted a great gatsby movie to be um yeah yeah you know um you know like all all of it was just so exciting um thought it was really yeah i don't know i really liked it it's been a while since i've seen this i saw this in theaters during its main theatrical run um oh yeah i i really wanted to be able to catch it at that time but like just the timing did not work out because i was away for a while uh it was um was it my first watch of the new year it might have been it might have been my first watch of 2023 in a theater, yeah. I mean. That's a good um, one to, to kick off the new year with. Um, it's got a lot of partying and celebration. Yeah, exactly. I think, because I, I, I feel like I remember seeing it, like, on fucking New Year's Day or something, like, mildly hungover. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so um, I really I really liked it as well. I thought it was really fun. Um, the cast is really great. Um, oh, God, it's been so long. I need to, like, pull up my notes about this movie. Um one moment. Yeah, Margot Robbie, of course, is great as always. Brad Pitt. Um, the real standout for me was Diego Calva and his yeah, character absolutely. Manny. I mean, he I was thought great. He was just he was so great. He came in like at the very beginning and just like stole every scene he was in. Um he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, he was really, really good. Also, Gene Smart was in this movie. Yeah. Um, who I love. Um, there's so a bunch awesome. of random appearances in here like flea is in this movie from the red yes. Chili oh Peppers. yes yes flea is in this movie i loved that eric roberts um, is in this movie er- well eric roberts is the definition of random appearances like he has <laughs> never done anything that wasn't a random appearance that's Absolutely. just like what he does also samara weaving is in this movie which i gotta say having samara weaving and margot robbie in the same movie is like a real bold choice because they're like identical right so (laughs) especially like like margot robbie is the the person who like comes in and like ruins samara weaving's career like taking all of her parts basically that was obviously intentional casting um because they i mean everyone knows they look like exactly alike right like that's we're all in on that um i was like whoa what's going on here um but it is nice to know that they know one another and have worked together um to like just like have that uh confirmation yeah. 
Um, it's like, thank goodness. I hope they know too. Um, so yeah, that was, that was fun. Um, we had Max Mangella of absolutely. Spiral from the Book of Saw fame. Okay, as, also uh, fucking the social network, but yeah. Um, but most importantly, Spiral from the Book of Saw. Uh, but if we could go back like before Spiral from the Book of Saw, just know that the social network is like one of my big my big films of my past. So oh, yes. Have a yeah, that's here. a great one. Um, he was playing so, Irvin um, G. Thalberg, the classic Hollywood producer. Um, yes, absolutely. Um there, there's a lot. I mean, there are, first of all, there are like a ton of people in this movie. Yeah. Cast just like is the crazy. cast is, it's just, um, it's so, it's such a big movie in like every sense, you know, like every scene is just got people all over it, especially right. like those big party scenes, which go on forever. They're roaring. They're lively. There's just all sorts of stuff going on. Um, just the, like that whole beginning party scene, which is like half an hour long. <laughs> it's wild it's absolutely wild yeah, that scene like, is great i mean what a great what a great scene um, i love i love this film's ability to keep the energy going too you know that like i didn't feel like it dragged at all a lot of people are saying that this movie goes on for too long i'm saying this movie is not long enough i could have watched okay, so i wouldn't say this. all that but i don't think it dragged i don't think it dragged at all i was never there was never a moment where i was like oh yeah i wish this were over um so yeah, I thought I never thought it dragged. Um, um, oh wait, we have to if we're talking about cast, we have to go back to Spike Jones first of all. Spike Jones unhinged, um, oh, yeah. but also he's playing like a crazy twenties German director type. Yes, um, uh, just awesome, awesome appearance from him. And also, of course, Tobey Maguire is the big fucking <laughs> yes random appearance of this. The movie. most important it's, like guest role here, Tobey Maguire, has ever happened in a movie. Showing up um, in the third act to guide us to the asshole of Hollywood. <laughs> okay, I love when he shows up, and then it suddenly becomes like a horror movie. I'm like, yeah. we're like now, now we're like in like a horror movie haunted house at like fucking king's dominion or something yeah and we're like walking through a scary maze and there are alligators and i'm like i don't know what the fuck is going on <laughs> like it's like every room gets like progressively more upsetting as they're going through it <laughs> yeah um it was so great um oh that was such a good scene um and i, I love it so like yeah he shows up in the later part of the movie where it's like it's the 30s and like things are starting to go wrong it's kind of like in um there's a lot of comparisons between this movie and Boogie Nights. I feel like that's very apt. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like the, the latter half of Boogie Nights where everything starts going off the rails and like starts getting dark and fucked up. And like that's what's going on in the later half of this movie. And he shows up and he's like this big like drug lord, gambling lord type, just like runs everything and <laughs> kind of coerces uh, Manny and the Count played by Rory Scovel to uh, to go to this really fucked up party, which is like the twisted inversion of everything we saw in the fun parties in the first half. And it's right. just like, oh yeah, like this is like the dark hangover of like everything we saw at the beginning. And it's just like, there's a lot of really messed up stuff going on in there. But Absolutely. yeah, it, it does just become a horror movie, like out of nowhere. Like yeah. every room you go into, you're like, oh God, what's going to be in here? And when they're like going down the stairs and there's like people with sacks on their head coming up and bumping into them, like, geez, they're like, there's nothing good that they're going to find in here. Absolutely not. Um, 
Yeah, God, it's so good. Um, yeah, that that was really fun. Tobey Maguire's bit role here, just great. What a great, great moment. Um, I literally gasped because I had no idea who was going to be in this movie, and I was like, "Oh hell yeah, it's Toby. That's my boy." Um, <laughs> it's um, Spider Man. It's it's Spider Man. I'm Batman. Um, yeah, that was that was so good. Um, so much of this movie is so much fun though. Um, and it's kind of upsetting at moments, but I think it's very very good. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I wish I had seen it more recently so I could um <laughs> be more in depth about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even for me, it's um, been a little while. I think I'm definitely going to go back and rewatch this. It's just like absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. it. I feel like it has a lot to say about the transition in Hollywood. How there was like it went from being like this one big fun party to being like kind of dark and increasingly commercial and controlled. And like a lot of people got forced out of it, usually various types of minorities. Um, and that like, it, it's, it's interesting. It's sad and fun at the same time. Um, and there's like, it, it manages to be so entertaining, both visually and auditorily all the way through. Uh, the yeah. music in this is absolutely amazing. Very good. Yeah. I think very, very good. this is probably the front runner for, uh, the best score. And, uh, yeah, the music in this is is so good. It's Justin Hurwitz again, who's coming. He's worked with uh, Chazelle before on La La Land. There's some comparisons being drawn uh, between the scores for these two ones. Uh, like the one of the main themes is does sound kind of similar to City of Stars, but not quite. Yes, I know um, what you're talking about. But there's also just so much different stuff in this soundtrack that is just like it's so weird like he he uh he takes like jazz instrumentation but plays like more modern kind of music with it that still feels jazzy if you know what right. i mean uh and it's really interesting like um what's his name the leo pellegrino is on this score mm. uh the, the barry sax guy from too many zoos <laughs> I like he, there's a very prominent Barry Sachs part in a lot of the songs on this soundtrack. And I was like, when I was listening, I was like, that is a very distinct Barry Sachs. Like, is that the guy from too many zoos? And sure enough, it is like, oh, I and, love that. but he like the too many zoos has this style of like, you know, playing like that kind of those kind of jazzy licks, but playing them in like a very repetitive, almost electronic kind of way. Like the kind the stuff you hear in like EDM, but, right. um, and I feel like they kind of brought that energy into the score here. Um, just playing like different kinds of stuff with the, the jazz instrumentation and like the, the regular jazz forms. Right. Uh, and like, and it, it's really exciting. It's very upbeat. It's very fun. going to probably put some clips in here from nice. the yeah. soundtrack. Um, my favorite, I think, is Call Me Manny. It's Manny's main theme. It's very upbeat, exciting. It happens. Uh, it plays during a lot of the scenes where, like, stuff's getting done. Like, we're making movies, taking care of business. Like, that one is all about, it's Manny. It's, it's business-like. He's driven, he's determined, and this, the 
song follows that idea. And there's also uh, Voodoo Mama. Which is, uh, which plays for the first time at the, in the uh, big party at the beginning, which is like the more like party-like atmosphere. Um, and follows Margot Robbie, she's like dancing around. That that's really exciting. There's just there's so much good music in this. I there is think, a lot. I mean, I, yeah. I think that this is really the front runner for score. I'll be very disappointed if it doesn't win. There's some other great nominees this year, and I've actually been trying to listen to all of the different scores on their own this year to kind of get a better feel for them. And like the, it, it's up against some real strong contenders i mean for you've got john williams for starters uh for fablemans uh the all quiet on the western front soundtrack is also just fantastic it's just so brash and in your face and it's got that three note theme that carries through uh the whole thing in different forms that that danny like the first time you hear it it's really aggressive and loud but then you can also hear that like woven softly into the more mellow moments of the movie which i found interesting the banshee soundtrack is pretty good it's it's minimalistic it's kind of unusual not what really what you'd expect for like oh this is a film set on the in the irish isles and stuff it's it's really it doesn't have like that kind of folk instrumentation it's more like uh like vibraphone and tubular bells and stuff um pretty interesting very very driving and creepy and like something is wrong here is is like the general feeling that you get from that soundtrack and uh, everything everywhere all at once yeah i think that is probably the next best likely to win next to Babylon. First of all, because the movie is uh, probably going to win a lot of awards and yeah. the score might that come along with that. seems the most that. likely. <laughs> but also because like, it, it is just all over the place. There's so many different things that happen with the score and everything ever all at once, which fits the movie. You know, It's, it's course, very yeah. eclectic. It's got all sorts of different things going on. Um, but yeah, a lot of interesting electronic instrumentation and stuff going on there. I uh, haven't qu- haven't finished listening to all of it, but so what I've heard so far is really interesting. So, but that's been an interesting experience going listening to all the scores. Uh, yeah, that's I still, pretty cool. I mean, I yeah, I haven't. I can't say I've done as much as you have. I try to listen to scores when I when I can, but not specifically for the Oscars, just like in general. Um, but I haven't listened to all of these. Like yeah. I can't say I've ever thought to seek out the Banshees of Inishair and score. Sorry. Um, <laughs> maybe I would have, or, or no, I maybe will if it like wins or something, but yeah. Um, you yeah. Know. It's been interesting doing this. I mean, like I, I, the most surprising thing for me was how like different the lengths of all these scores are like um, er- the everything everywhere score is like two hours long like a solid like the full runtime of the movie um right. babylon is like an hour and a half uh all quiet is like an hour which is about what i expected 
like a score to be because there's you know there's not always going to be music and it just depends like all quiet has a lot of scenes that are just you know wartime sounds yeah i mean um and babylon has a lot of ambient noise that's going on and also other music that might not be from the score right there's um, there's so, music going on like all the time in babylon plus yeah. that's like a three and a half hour movie so right. two and a half hour movie it's long i don't remember um but Banshees and Fablemans are only like half an hour each. So those are the whole quick score? listen. Yeah, each one is wow. just half an hour. And especially the Fablemans, like a good that chunk surprises of surprises me. The good chunk of the Fablemans as well is just Mitzi's piano. So it's pre existing composition. Right, that's true, yeah. Uh the main theme to Fablemans is really good though. It's like it's kind of classic John Williams, but it's not that that like big soaring thing that he often does it's kind of a, a new look for him i mean i'm sure if you go back through the countless hundreds of scores he's done before that you'll find something similar to this but it's not the, f- the first thing that i expected from john Williams. so i thought that was kind of interesting nice. but um that's mostly just like one theme that's carried through a couple different variations and then the uh, the music of Mitzi's piano, which is like a lot of pre-existing classical pieces. That's been that's been entertaining. Uh, I've been trying to to get a little more into the music side of things this year, and um, a lot of that was brought about by Babylon. I mean, the the score to Babylon was fantastic, and like as score. soon as that movie shut off, I was like, I need to start listening to this music. It's just it's really nice. Um, I'm hoping it wins. Well, anyway, crossed. <laughs> I, I could probably talk about Babylon all day. Um, Babylon is very good. I do not blame. But but let's move on and talk about two Leslie. Two Leslie. We're totally switching gears. Um, two Leslie was a movie. It was. That's yeah. what I. That's what I'll say about two Leslie. Look, I thought two Leslie was fine. I thought it was just fine, basically. You know, it was a pretty basic addiction drama anchored by a really great performance. Right. Yeah. Like the that's... performance is key here. And that's what elevates it above like a four good days or something where you, oh my God, you wouldn't no. necessarily want to watch it for any other reason that it was nominated. This is, this is a movie that's worth watching, even not as part of an Oscars watch. It's decent. It's not, you know, mind blowing, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, pretty good seems strong to me, but I don't think it's bad either. Like, I want to be clear, I don't think it's like a bad movie. It's just like fine. Like, it's like an average movie. It's a pretty basic. Like, there's nothing. I don't think it has anything interesting to stay, say about addiction. In fact, if anything, I don't necessarily love what it says about addiction because she just, like, wakes up one day with, like, the will of God in her and decides to, like, fucking beat it. And I don't know. Like, my experience of addiction with people I've seen with it, it was never... God knows it was never that e- easy for them. Right. Um, <laughs> and, um, like, <laughs> it seems like the thing that... that pushes her to finally change is like listening to a Willie Nelson song in the bar late at night. Like, yeah. Like that's like never happened to anybody um, in the history of the world. Um, so, you know, it, 
I'm just saying she had a pretty bad addiction problem. It seemed like it should have been a little bit harder for her to beat just to be realistic. Um, But shelving that, I do think it's like affecting. I think she's very, very good. I think the rest of the cast is also like not bad. Um, And, you know, for some reason, Allison Janney has a a kind of minor role in this, which is kind of nice. Um, um, You know, I don't know. It's fine. It's good. Andrea Risborough is, is quite good. Um, I see why she was nominated. I mean, there's a lot of controversy about the why she was nominated, but I feel like it's not unearned. I think she does a really good job. I mean, if we're letting Ana de Armas be nominated for Blonde, but not <laughs> Andrea Risborough for this, I mean, come on, like, yeah, you know, and we'll get into um, that. I um, yeah, I thought I thought it was good. It was not my favorite of the lead actress performances, but I definitely feel not. like yeah. She fit in there. She didn't like stick out like, oh, why was this performance nominated? Like, I think it helps that it's Andrea Risborough and not like Jennifer Aniston. You know, like it's not like (laughs) somebody who we all know is like a big movie starlet, you know, Um, it because, you know, she has to look like she could be like an average woman. Like, (laughs) um, you know, and um, Andrea Risborough can look like pretty much anyone she's got like exactly she can like the most moldable (laughs) appearance of anyone i've seen and she's just not as famous as some other people that we're watching like as a result of like their acting nominations right like it's harder for people who are nominated who regularly get nominated for this award those sorts of actors tend to be people who just can't play like certain roles anymore like they don't look like they could be somebody who like has been on struggling their whole lives like yeah a lot of them just yeah. can't look like that um andrea riceboro has a great ability to look like anything and anyone she wants to um, <laughs> um it's like so. it's like that thing they say where it's like oh so-and-so has a face that knows what an iphone looks like like <laughs> this is like uh yeah these most the, the real top level actresses have a face that say they've been through the infinity pool you know <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like the she's definitely like the central part of what works about the movie. It's otherwise, yes. you know, it's it's a kind of a standard like. Although she's I did struggle with addiction, want- she fights it. She gets better. That's it. <laughs> I do want to call out who's the other guy. Um, Mark Marin as Sweeney was also very very good in this movie. Oh yeah, um, her He's like good. love interest. I thought he was really good. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, underappreciated performance from that guy in this movie yeah and you don't generally know him for that many like dramatic turns he's never really had any like award buzz for something like that no of course not yeah that's and and, i mean even in this movie he was really here for a lot of like like a lot of his moments were more comedic than anything but he has some like hefty dramatic moments too and they work um and even when he's being funny there's also like an under often like an undercurrent um um, so, you know, I thought, I thought he was really a good, um, scene partner for Andrea Riseborough in this movie. Um, they, they played off one another well, they worked well together. Um, yeah. So. I also did think the, uh, like the most interesting element to this was that it was not just an addiction story, but also like the story of someone who like hit it big at the lottery and then lost it all. 
And now, like, she's not only getting shamed by those around her for, like, being an addict, but also for, like, being on top of the world. And now she's back in the gutter with them. Um, I thought that that was, like, an interesting element that kept coming up throughout the movie. Yeah, Um, I think it is interesting. I think it's interesting that she wasn't mistreated her so much. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting that she wasn't just, like, somebody who was, like, addicted her whole life and stayed down, like, you know, down in, like, um, whatever like being an addict and not having anything for her life she like won big and that really probably fed her addiction um if yeah. anything you know she she spent it all on money i'm sure or on booze i'm sure yeah um, spent it all on money spent um, it all on money you spent it all on money um yeah so that's a bummer um it's it's upsetting and she has a son who she hurts and that plot wasn't like totally i don't know we didn't know much about him so yeah <laughs> it's like i don't know that this plot is really like well played um i also don't know about like the whole like she wants to have a diner plot i was like mm, this is not fleshed out that really just um, came does together she cook? At the end. like it's do we like... know anything about her like like what is the point here we have to um, give her some sort of win scenario at the end so it's going to be opening this diner <laughs> It's like the world's smallest diner that doesn't exist in New York City. Like, like there's like uh, anywhere else outside of like a big city, your diners are like normal sized. This is a diner that has like two tables. Um, it was the world's like most poorly planned diner because it's like in this small town where like everybody hates her, so they're not gonna go, and like <laughs> it's just like out in the middle of nowhere. Like, who's coming to this diner? I don't know. It's, yeah. I know. I, I need to see the business plan for this. Like, how are it's they across the street from traffic? the motel? So I guess it's like going, going to attract the motel customers. Um, Even the, the thing motel is about seems mo- underattended, and motels are by nature underattended, and motels are all whatever. Like, it none of it seems reasonable. Um, but you know what? Leslie has her win. It's it's Lee's diner. Um, I also like that, like, she's randomly sometimes called Lee, and, like, it's very unclear if that was, like, a thing that people actually, like, used for her or if it just started happening um, <laughs> over the course of the movie. I was like, why is she being called Lee? Like, what, it, like, Lee from Leslie? Whatever. Um, but, yeah. Um, it wasn't bad, though. It wasn't bad. I did like the music in this movie. Um, there's a lot of old country played in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, I, was, I was here on, like, for that. Like, the old outlaw country yeah Especially that was here. pretty nice i did i was i was jamming to some tunes as one might say um there's a lot so. of bar scenes where obviously you're not supposed to be enjoying these scenes because they're her her darker moments but also like those bars seem really fun yeah i really wanted to hang out at those bars um those were some real honky tonks and i wanted to be there i wanted to be at those bars um but it's okay all right, well, let's talk about EO. <laughs> E-I-E-I-O. This is also a big downer. Um, I don't think Two Leslie was a big downer. Yeah, I mean, Two Leslie ends on a positive note. Yeah. Um, this one does not, really. Um, EO... Well, I'm pretty sure, spoiler alert, Donkey, Donkey gets it in the end um i don't i don't think he's doing well i I, he he does not have i mean who knows this donkey's gotten out of some pretty bad scrapes so i think uh, no i think at the end donkey is is uh, is donezo i think (laughs) i think that sound that you hear at the end is donkey getting that no 
<laughs> that that little gun that they use, you know, and you know, in it chapter two or whatever, when they have the, or it when they have that gun that he uses okay. on his, his Lauren, stop listening. Animal. Lauren, stop listening. Don't listen to this. <laughs> um, hey, yeah, I said spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, or or like the, the um, in uh, No Country for Old Men. The yeah, Lauren yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So so EO is the story of a little circus donkey. Um, who like the circus goes defunct and he's just kind of shipped around the country. He's in Poland, um, just journeying around from place to place, running into people who mistreat him or treat him kindly, depending. Um, so the movies, Oh, the trials and tribulations of being a donkey in Poland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, movie as a whole is just kind of about how like, like people's relationship with animals and donkeys and how uh, it's complicated. You know, some people are good to animals. Some people are very not good to animals for like literally no reason. And, I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy this really narrow take on it. This is a movie about a donkey and about people's relationships to donkeys. That's what this movie is about. Couldn't possibly be about anything bigger than about people and donkeys. Well, what do you think it's about, Matt? Well, I do think it's about the people. I think it's about humanity. I think it's a pretty nihilistic outlook on people, too. I don't think it's a very positive movie. Well, yeah. I think it's a very <laughs> upsetting look at, like, I think the movie is saying people are shit and people treat, yes, this donkey like shit, but that's a stand in for just how people treat everything like shit. Like, okay, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's um, fair. Um, and it's kind of a bummer. This movie was a. Re- I did not from the poster. I didn't think this movie was going to be as much of a bummer as it was. You know. Yeah, I think you were expecting like a cutesy animal movie. <laughs> not quite like that because I knew it wasn't built that way, but I definitely wasn't expecting like kind of depressing. Um, it, is, <laughs> like, it is quite bleak. Yeah. yeah, there's there's some some pretty bad people in this one. Uh, especially for some reason, the soccer team is, is like the yeah. worst people in this. That's a real, real upsetting reality. You know what? But athletes, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> I, I get what the movie's going for is what I mean. Um, um, Isabel Huppert is in this movie. I think we should linger on that for a moment. Okay. Um, just because like, why is she in this movie? Why was she in EO? Why was she horny for her stepson? For like twenty minutes at the end of this movie, <laughs> that was that was a strange um, bit to include near the. I remember very like end watching this movie. this movie, and this was right before we recorded, so I couldn't like I th- like, and that's like towards the end of the movie. So just know that I like went from that into our recording, and I really wanted to make comments about how Isabel Huppert was horny for her stepson, but I couldn't <laughs> at the moment um, because you hadn't seen the movie yet. So I was very upset about that. But like when I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, their dynamic is interesting um, for like a second. And then the scene progressed and I was like, oh, I see. Um, like, why? Why? Like nobody in this movie is normal and like decent, really. I mean, there are some decent people, but they're very, they're scattered. Um, and they don't Isabel stay Hubbard in Eo's was, life very long. Was much more normal in Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Yeah, the Isabel Huppert extended universe. Um, um, what's going on over there, Isabel? Um, what are you yeah, doing? Making some choices. Um, yeah, but EO really has a rough go of things. 
Yeah. That poor I, donkey. He, yeah. I, I especially liked how the, the movie made him feel like a fully fleshed out character rather than just a donkey. I feel like especially the uh, the cinematography and the editing was used to make him seem more intentional. Like you, you get to see him looking and reacting to things. They use that the con- the classic Kuleshov effect where you show a shot after a shot of something else to draw a visual connection between them. So the in your mind you you think that this donkey is like reacting to something that he sees even though these are just two completely different shots put together but your reaction to it is shaped by how the editing is done right i thought that was used very effectively like uh eo actually feels like he's got something going on mentally like he's he's actually thinking through things and making choices even though it's just like a regular old donkey that they used in this movie. It's actually a regular old series of donkeys. Yeah, um, yeah. They used a couple of them. They used a few donkeys. But there's. Um, they didn't just find some really talented donkey that was great at acting. Like, no, this is just really good editing here. Yeah, that that that's correct. Um, but it does. It does make it does make EO feel like EO is like a character in a certain way. Even though at the end of the day, EO is um. Eo doesn't have a lot going on behind his eyes. Um, <laughs> and he's just trying to make it, you know? He's doing his natural animal instincts thing. He just wants to survive. Um, but the people are, like, people are just so mean to this donkey for no reason. It's truly, like, baffling. I'm like, that's just like an animal. Like, we could be normal about that. But people in this movie are very mean. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what that says about Poland. Um... But if we could all be less mean to the donkeys that we see roaming the streets, that'd be nice. Um, some of them could be little wooden boys who went off to an island. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You just never know. Be you kind never to know. donkeys. You never know if they're actually little wooden boys. You wouldn't want to upset a donkey and then it somehow breaks its curse and it's Brahms, would you? <laughs> no! Oh God! No. You know what would happen if you were mean to Brahms? That yeah, that wouldn't be good. He'll get you. You'd get got. Yeah. So be nice to donkeys. That's the that's the real takeaway from EO. Be nice to your donkeys. There's so much. There's so much upsetting donkey stuff in this year's Oscars. I wonder if they're gonna like comment on this at the ceremony. But really, we've had we've had just a lot of sad donkey movies this year what is it about donkeys it, maybe it's because they're like beasts of burden like you know like everybody feels like we're carrying too much so we're thinking about donkeys yeah um, i think they, I there's know. a natural kind of sadness to the way their faces look as well oh absolutely donkeys are definitely naturally sad um what's eeyore i mean come on yeah yeah there's a reason that eeyore is a donkey Eeyore is the most undonkey-like donkey of all time, but like he is a donkey. Eeyore and Eo. <laughs> hey, yeah, exactly. Well, it's because the you know it's all because the the sound donkey. Like, yeah, um, it's like that. <laughs> um, so it it all sounds kind of similar. Um, yeah, you know, donkeys. There's something. It's because again, it all goes back to donkeys being pack animals. That's a sad existence. You're just carrying other people's shit. Yeah. Like, um, 
Yeah, and it's a lot. Of course, we all think that's kind of sad. Like (laughs) they're just always using him to drag carts around and stuff while they're like abusing other animals and stuff. Like, oh yes, you're the animal that's going to carry the equipment so we can go abuse other animals. It's not fun. Yeah, it's not fun. Poor Eo. Eo did deserve better than um, well, everything that happened to him, really. Yeah. It's bleak. All right. (laughs) Moving from bleak to also bleak, let's talk about House of Splinters. Oh, my God. House of Splinters is is extremely bleak. Um, (laughs) But although Um, I did, I did what to the credit of this documentary, um, I think that it did not dwell on the bleakness unnecessarily and was not like exploitative this was like mm. no my... yeah i agree and also it's a documentary like it's yeah. if, if a situation is really bleak you shouldn't try to like sugarcoat it right either like you know <laughs> so this uh movie is set in an orphanage in um ukraine and it's just all about it like it's kind of a like a clearinghouse style orphanage like most people there or like a halfway house i don't know exactly what you call this but like most people who are there are like waiting to go somewhere else either to be like picked up by their parents like when they finally get their shit together or to be sent to like a more permanent orphanage that would be ready to assign them to another family. Um, but there's a lot of kids in this orphanage who do have parents, but parents who are like alcoholics or like yeah, um, other stuff going on yeah. that they can't take care of the kids properly. And so they're aware of the fact that their parents are out there. They just aren't able to take care of them. And uh, that in my mind is the most upsetting part is like the kids who are, uh, acutely aware of the fact that their parents are not able to get their shit together for long enough to take care of them. Um, or just don't want to. Some well, of them yeah, or, seem to or, know their parents just don't have any interest in doing that. In many cases, um, yeah. Yeah. And that is um, really upsetting, I think. It's just hard to watch kids, like, have to reckon with, like, fucking adult emotions. Like, about, like, having to think about, like, well, my parents don't care about me. And, you know, like, just having to think about that as a kid, that's fucked up. You're a kid. You should be thinking about, like, Hannah Montana. Like, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. You should be like the kid in How Do You Measure a Year. Right. You shouldn't be worrying about, like, can my mom stop drinking long enough to check me out of this orphanage? Or, like, can I... Is it... Like, the kids who, like, become, like, friends in this, like, nine-month orphanage or whatever, like, you know, they're thinking, like, you're going to leave, like like that sucks. Like you're like, you're meeting friends and you're already thinking about like, they're going to have to leave and my parents aren't going to come for me because they don't care. And Jesus Christ, what an upsetting existence as a child. Yeah. Um, Yeah. A lot of these kids are clearly having to grow up way faster than kids should have to and becoming aware of like really harsh realities. What I thought worked best about this documentary is the way that it let like, the time with the kids just kind of breathe. There's just a lot of kids just playing around being kids in here. It doesn't, 
always have to be like sad scenes of a kid finding out that like their parents aren't going to be able to take them. They're going to have to go off to a more permanent orphanage. There's also just like kids making friends, playing games, getting into trouble, like doing silly shit, um, which I like. Like that, you still get to see these kids being kids even as they're going through really dark times, which I thought made it more feel more real and less like just of a downer the entire time. Right. I think that's right. I mean, I think there's lots of, while you're watching this, it's, it's perfectly entertaining or enjoyable to watch because the kids do find like real connection and happiness in this, this, I, I don't know, halfway house as we've called it. Um, it's just like a sad because they all at the end have to disperse too. You know, like nobody's with their friends anymore except for that one boy. That one boy gets to go to an orphanage where the guys he already knew were. Um, yeah, that was pretty good for him. Um, but um, everybody else like goes somewhere completely different, and that's kind of sad. Like you see, like best friends split apart. Um, I mean, there were best friends for nine months, but still, that's yeah. When you're a yeah. kid, that's a long time. Especially those two little girls. Like you get to see the whole length of their friendship, basically them like deciding to become best friends and then spending a lot of time together and playing games and stuff. And then near the end, you see like they have to go to different places and you see they're like, they're both not taking that well, even as like their lives might be improving because they're going somewhere different. They're, they're losing friends. They're losing the only connections they have in this really messed up world they're in. And that's hard and that's awful. And no kid should, I mean, kids, no kid should have to lose friends like that, you know? Um, But it's sad. And that's the reality here. Um, It's just an upsetting, the whole concept is upsetting. I mean, obviously it's good that these places exist because these kids need somewhere to go. But um, it's just such an upsetting concept. Like the, the like halfway house orphanage where it's like, well, here you are. Um, yeah. You're going to be here for a bit and then we're going to move you on somewhere else, depending on if your parents can like stop fucking around for a little bit. Um, and it seems like most of the time the parents can't stop. Uh, they just uh, don't have it in them. Um, maybe they don't want kids. Maybe they're just, everything is too fucked. I don't know. But um, it is upsetting to think about, you know, so many of these kids just go somewhere completely separate. Yeah. Yeah, they, but at least they, they still find homes. That's kind of nice, you know. Like, you know, some of these people, these kids do find a place. They're not just like, I mean, think about the system in the U.S. It's foster family to foster family to foster family. <laughs> um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they don't have that same problem. Yeah, I mean, there is some sense of hope here. Like, you get to see some of the kids like have the opportunity to go off to a new family, and they seem genuinely excited and ready for that. Right. And exactly you hope that that works out well for them. You do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it was a very powerful documentary. I thought sure, it was, yeah. you know, pretty, there's, there's not a lot to tell like stylistically about this. It's, uh, I, I just thought like the most noteworthy part about it, I thought was just how close they must've been to these kids and like getting to know them over a long period of time to get them to trust them with the cameras around. So like they could let down their guard and talk about these kinds of things. Um, right. Cause I, I thought like it was just incredible. The access that they had here, the, to be able to get some of this footage uh, of kids just like being 
very brutally honest about the situation they were in and uh that yeah like that that's not easy to do so that's a good job for the documentarians on that yeah yeah i agree i think it was um it did feel very intimate felt like you really knew some of these kids you understood them um oh so sad all right well um argentina 1985 <laughs> we're we're just we're we're hitting out all the all the uh we're rocketing through tonight. them all um yeah. well argentina 1985 wasn't the bleakest yeah i mean so th- this has a bleak background to it but it is as a overall film sort of hopeful and uplifting it's about the the team of lawyers who are prosecuting um, the members of the Argentina military who took part in the junta of the late seventies, early eighties there when they were uh, yeah, a part of the military dictatorship after the new government had taken over. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent up on the history of this, but Basically, there was there was a lot of people who were disappeared over the course of crushing that uprising. Right. And this was about holding people accountable for those disappearances, for like the torture that went on during that conflict. And um, it's about the the legal team that was put together to do that and all the struggles that they went through, the threats that they had to put up with Um it's very intense and exciting and like definitely sad at many times when you have to hear like the testimony of the people who are representing like those who were tortured, but it has overall a pretty positive outlook that like even people with so much power could be held accountable for their actions. Yes, I think that's right. I I do think it had a positive outlook when I was watching this. By the end, I was like, this is like if Aaron Sorkin weren't from the United States. Um, <laughs> An Argentine Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Um, that's what it felt like to me. Just like like the like belief in the system almost. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that was... I mean, I do think that's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to to want to believe in the system, right? Um, right. Like yeah. I, I want to, you know. Um, so I, I do think that was like a nice, uh, uh, you know, positive spin on things. But it is kind of intense for a lot of its runtime. You you know, these people are getting like death threats because of what they're doing, just like from holding people accountable, which is of course how it goes, right? Um, yeah. Which is a real nightmare. Um, so much of it is kind of like basic legal drama stuff um, yeah you know like the like the plot and and stuff for a long a lot of it is pretty pretty basic um but it's like well done it's not like bad or anything like that um and some of the scenes like you said of like specific testimony those are very good um so that's yeah. nice at least but it's clear that know. they went in and tried to like recreate uh a lot of the stuff as it actually was broadcast on TV back in the eighties. Um, Cause they also cut in like a lot of actual clips from the time. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting way of portraying that, like showing how real all of this was and how like, this is this, these are real events that are important to people. Right. 
Yeah, I, I liked that. I liked um, m- making sure it was constantly grounded in like the historical element. Um, it's also, you know, the 80s weren't that long ago. Um, yeah. So it's like yeah. kind of crazy to think about like things like this having happened in such recent history. Um, so, you know, showing the the actual historical clips goes to like further that, you know, it, it does make it, you know, this was happening when we could still like do broadcasts and things like that (laughs) like we you know we could film this this wasn't that long ago um yeah so you know um i I do think there's there's a feeling throughout this film as well that like stuff like this happens all the time and that only sometimes are you able to actually do something about it and so when you can you have to take every opportunity uh, and that like that's something that I feel like is repeated throughout the film is like this is the only chance we have to show everyone in the country that these sort of abuses can't go unpunished, that there is such a thing as justice, that there is accountability for overstepping your power and that like people's lives matter. So right. yeah, it, it it is it is kind of Sorkin-y that way. It, it's it's faith in the system to hold people accountable for these kind of things. Um, right. But it, it's it's a powerful message. It's got it's really you know just like uplifting overall the idea that that this could happen, and it, it's grounded in facts, which is nice. I agree. I think um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's one of those movies where it's like it's nice to think so. Um, <laughs> It's nice to it's nice to believe in the theme of this movie. I don't know that I always like, you know, I'm a little more cynical about that sort of thing. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's nice to think so. So I think it's, it's good nice to, to think at least like sometimes it can happen. You know, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we're about halfway through our watching our <laughs> movies to discuss or say this is a big one. Um, let's talk about some shorts. Because we've all right. we've both seen all the shorts now, um, and let's get started with the animated shorts. What what was your uh, what, what were your favorites of the animated shorts? Uh, my favorite animated short was obviously my year of dicks. Um, I feel like that. Um, I feel like I'm not alone in that. Yeah, um, me too. Just more broadly, I feel like people seem to like that one. Um, I loved my year of dicks. I thought it was good. I thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting. Um, so that was easily my favorite of the animated shorts, but it wasn't the only one I liked. I did also like an ostrich told me the, the world is fake and I think I believe it. Um, yeah, I thought that was fun. Um, you know, that was cute. Um, I can't say that I, my memories of ice merchants or the flying sailor are particularly, um, vivid but i don't think i disliked them um i can say my memory of the boy the mole the fox and the horse is vivid and that i did not like it yeah um that was um i don't know what the i don't know how the fuck that got nominated that was like embarrassing my audience was laughing at it (laughs) i mean i was in a sold out screening and people were laughing at this movie and i was like that we are not meant to be laughing I this movie does heard, not want us to laugh at this. I definitely heard people groaning throughout that one. And then like, as we were walking out at the very end, like that was the one that everyone was shit talking. It was but, bad. It was for, okay. It looked 
gorgeous. I yeah, love the like very good. storybook visuals. Those were nice. Um, they were calming. It was very British children's book written by somebody who lived in like a very posh apartment their whole life. Um, <laughs> um, but like, oh my god, every other line was like fucking live, laugh, love you know fucking bullshit like i was like what the fuck are we doing here yeah and like when the horse okay spoiler alert when the horse is like i can fly i was like i'm gonna kill myself like <laughs> you could like loan the whole time. this whole time like what are we doing um also the biggest laugh this whole movie got i mean we got a lot of laughs but was when the <laughs> credits were going and it said voice by idris elba my audience lost their mind. Uh, I was like, I, yeah, what the fuck is he doing here? I was what like, the fuck? is that Idris Elba? He voiced the fox in this. Um, yeah, this was, I mean, there was a few well-known actors yes. in here. Tom Hollander, Gabriel Byrne. Yes. Like, this This is the like the classic one every year. There's always one animated one that runs a bit too long and has a bunch of famous people associated with it and it's like but oh, this okay. one would, like was like last year it was that musical one um you know what i'm talking about that one that was um <laughs> that was last year right the one with the, oh, the like the evil cat that sings the song um and it's like the right it's like the little the bird that thinks it's a mouse or whatever um, oh yeah 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 yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> um um that was like a musical that that was that one and it's always first of all it's always fucking british every fucking time yeah yep that. can they like whatever they're doing in their shorts stu- their animated shorts studios over there they need to get a grip it's always um, british it's always an adaptation of like a children's picture book yeah um the animation is always fantastic but yes. it's like why why are we watching this for half an hour now like yeah this one it wasn't even so much the length like the length I mean, the length was bad, but it was genuinely like the writing was like, this might play better when you're reading this and nobody is talking out loud like the whole time. Like this sounds like somebody who was like force fed like day calendar quotes like, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, well, well, so like the basic plot is like that this this boy is trying to like find his way back home and these animals that meet up with him along the way. But, like, along their journey, like, they're all just talking in aphorisms the entire time. It's like like saying, like, it's okay. It's okay if you don't always know where you're going. You can always find the right way. And just stuff like that for, like, 30 minutes. It just does not let up. It (laughs) is deranged. It is, like, this is, like, hostile. Like, I, like... And I mean H O S T E L, Eli Roth's Hostel. It's like <laughs> it's like the experience of watching that. Like oh, I was God. like, I don't know what the fuck we're doing here. Like and like like we're introduced. Like I don't even know why this boy's lost. He's just like wandering through the snow. I'm like, why are you up here? Why are you in the forest in the snow? Like what are we doing? And then there's a mole, and he's like, I thought it was a cake, but it's a fucking tree. So I don't know why you thought that was a cake. I, I thought mean, that it's was a mole. just because he's he's a mole, so he's blind. Like he's so like, he shouldn't have seen anything. Um, but like, like it's just all chaos, and like none of it is good. And every character is just like speaking the most inane bullshit that like I wouldn't teach to my child ever. I wouldn't want my kid watching this. Like, 
Like, listen, this is not the world. If you see, like, you're not going to befriend the evil fox that wants to eat you. You need to <laughs> leave that alone. Um, man, this movie was not good. I can't believe this got nominated. That, like, this was like, I don't know. I don't know. This this was a favor. Like, somebody, somebody pulled some strings or something. Um, <laughs> this is a bad movie. Um, yeah, yeah. They're usually one... not, like... I don't usually think they're like flat out bad. Like this was, that was pretty bad. That's a bad movie. Um, imagine if this had been a full length movie, that would have oh, been God. a nightmare. No, no, no. no. Yeah. This I would have is... like, th- this is like, do you remember those games? Um, back in like 2009, that got like really big. They were like really peaceful games. There was like one where it was like, you could be a rabbit and you could hop across a snowy field and, or you uh-huh, could be yeah. like a star falling from the sky it's like that in like a short film form. And it's like, it's like painful to experience. I'm like, I don't need anything that like makes me want to like, I don't know. Like this movie like made, it was like, we want you to feel calm and optimistic and sure of yourself and happy. And I was like, I don't like, you don't, you can't make me feel any of those things. You can't do that. If I'd like, what the fuck are we doing here? I did really, this movie was a very surreal experience for me in a theater. Cause I was like sitting there watching and it was like a solid, like 10, 15 minutes of me being like, is this like real? Like, cause nobody was <laughs> reacting. And then like the first person laughed about halfway through. And from then on every line elicited laughter. I was like, thank God somebody laughed out loud because I was like about to lose my mind. Cause I thought people were enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like I said, I was in like a kind of like a half full theater about, but even even in there, like you could palpably feel like the growing <laughs> disgust of the audience, just like what is going on here? Uh, and I was very glad. Like usually they put the longer ones towards the end, and this was like second to last. But because my year of dicks was deemed inappropriate for younger audiences, it got put to the end. So I was glad we got to end on a high note. Because uh, yes. if this had been the last one, it would have been like what on earth are we doing here (laughs) that was such a terrible way to end things um but yeah i don't i don't it's been many years like every year there's a few of the shorts that are like less than stellar but it's been many years since i've seen one that was i actively disliked like this i think they're (laughs) at least usually like average you know like they're like yeah inoffensively like just mediocre or whatever this one was like actively bad like this was a bad movie and it's weird that it was like nominated for an oscar right Um, i mean yeah and in a like like there's all there are always bad movies nominated for oscars i want to be clear but like usually they're nominated for a specific technical proficiency or something like that or like an acting award or something like that this was like nominated for like a best short i mean there are so many shorts like yeah there are better ones right i did you know i would give credit to the animation here the animation was quite the good animation is really good yeah not really the any flaws nice. and i like the the overall style of it you know like that sort of hand-drawn look and, and it, it feels like a like storybook a which is nice because mm-hmm. like that's what it's adapted from and it yeah. almost in a way they were probably trying to make the like ridiculous dialogue make more sense because it was you know, like the storybook feel. Um, but it just didn't 
no, it just did not work. Yeah, everything else about it was was not great. And I guess this boy goes off to live with a horse, a mole, and a fox. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure. I'm what sorry, his it's plan actually at the end. a Pegasus, a mole, and a fox. <laughs> I will never. There. <laughs> when he's, I can fly, and he said it so sadly, and then his wings magically appeared, and I was like, holy shit. Like, this is real. This is actually happening on this movie right now. What a stupid choice. That was absolutely um, wild. Um, <sighs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Ostrich. Because that I was like a good ostrich. one. That was a one that I liked. Stop motion animation. Uh, so, already, that's a good thing for me. Yeah, That, that already Agreed. puts you at least in three-star territory. Um Besides just being stop motion, this had like sort of a meta thing about stop motion filmmaking, yes. which I really liked. Like the the main character is like a stop motion figure who's like slowly becoming aware of the fact that he's in a stop motion film. Yes. And I love that. I love that you get to see like little bits of behind the scenes of the like this filmmaker's process and like the screen he's using to film the set with and like all the little different puppets he's got in a closet somewhere. I thought that was really cool. And it's got kind of like a matrix vibe about it, about like suddenly slowly realizing that the world around you is artificial and that uh, you're in a fake environment. And then it's got the added element element of an ostrich being the one to tell you about that. (laughs) Why not? And it's all part of some silly commercial. Like I, I just, I love all that. It's very quirky. Um, The ending was kind of anticlimactic. I was hoping for that to be like some big, like him trying to fight his way into the real reality or something, but it just kind of ended. But other than that, like solid stuff. Really liked this one. I thought it was fun. I thought it was cute. Uh, Cute. It was enjoyable. It was cute. You know, in kind of like an Ardman animation sort of way. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I like, I mean, you've said basically everything that needs to be said about it. It's a short, there's only but so much to say. Yeah. Um, but I liked it. I liked its take on like, you know, on on a certain level, it's take on like workplace culture and like, just like this life of like working all the time, you know? Um, so that was nice. I thought it was, uh, it was interesting. Um, I liked that there was an ostrich. Yeah. I really like an ostrich. Ostrich is good. Um, I'm a big fan of an ostrich. It was um, funny. I like that. I like it the was bits funny. where he's like, funny. did you know your face can come off? And he's trying to pull yes. the guy's face off. <laughs> that was really good. That was really, really good. Um, yeah. So overall, yeah, like I said, this is my second favorite. I really liked it. Um, I thought it was it was nice. This was, um, was this the first one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they started with this one. Um, okay. So, Flying Sailor was... God, I don't even know if I remember that one. Mostly forgettable. It's, like, about, like, this sailor. It's based on a real story. A sailor who was uh, hit by an explosion of a ship. Oh, yeah, yeah. He experiences, like, some sort of, uh, (laughs) like, near-death experience where he's, like, remembering parts of his memory and like seeing the cosmos and like all sorts of other crazy stuff like that. 
it's kind of surreal and weird. Not a lot happens. I mean, that that's everything that happens right there. It's just like, right. You see him get blown up and then you see like his point of view of all the crazy stuff that happens. Um, you get a lot of like little flappy animated dick in this one. You do. <laughs> yes. I remember that. Very prominent in this movie for some reason. Um, cause he's flying through the air naked. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was all right. It was kind of fun. It was one of those ones where it's like, this may not be the best one, but it's like, ah, oh, you know, it was fun. It was worth a watch. I mean, it was perfectly enjoyable for the Any few the minutes that are. I had to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked Ice Merchants a little better, I think. That's the one that's, uh, it's got a really like hand-drawn feel to it again. Um, and it's about uh, this father and son like living in this house that's like bolted to the side of a mountain. And what they do is they harvest ice and parachute down every day to bring it to the town below. And then one day the, I guess over time the, the mountainside is melting and it's getting warmer up there and their house like breaks off the side and they have to like be rescued by their giant pile of hats that they land in. And also yes. sort of by the mother who's apparently gone. Um, you know, it's a cute little thing. It's, it's fine. I thought it looked nice. I the yeah. visuals are what I remember the most. Um, yeah, I mean, again, what 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 makes the animated one so fun to see in theaters above the other programs is that even if the movie's not really blowing you away, at least you get like a interesting mesh of different kinds of animation styles. I always find that to be the most uh, enjoyable part of doing the program in the theater. Yeah, that is nice. It's nice to see completely different um, approaches to animation. Um, and usually, even if the movies themselves are not great, the animation is usually nice, no matter what. I mean, yeah. it's rare that there's a movie that's nominated for best animated short that is ugly, you know? Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, now I'm now I'm trying to think of any that might have like defied that. I guess there was like one year where there was just like kind of a very basic looking computer animated frog movie. Do you remember that one? Are you talking <laughs> with the frog party one? Yeah, where they had like a little house party or whatever. Like the like the the. Uh, yes, I do. I do. It <laughs> like, looked like like an was... old um microsoft wallpaper yeah i don't um, think it was ugly but it was just like not impressive it was just like what are we how is this getting to this level i don't understand i really i remember that vividly was because that was like a seven minute short too like it was super short yeah <laughs> it was like at the end or something that was one was of those like, years where they oh, had to pad out the um it. they had to pad out the program with like a ton of extra movies yeah well anyway the, the rare that rarely happens mostly we get like stuff with very good animation and kind of a mixed bag as to the actual storytelling um right but now we should talk about the best one i think in both of our minds and many people who have seen these movies my year of dicks um this film is so much fun um i i like that it's like a really personal uh heartfelt story but also like it's not afraid to get kooky and weird with it 
This right. is about like the 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 creator of this film is about her as a 15-year-old girl like just trying to lose her virginity. And one year when she's like trying to lose her virginity with all these different guys that she was dating um and it's very interesting like you, you get to to see through the eyes of somebody else really live their experiences i love that each segment is like a different style of movie like they've got like yeah a that was really good yeah and like a foreign film like, the animation it, is different like there was one that was like an anime yeah, like, yeah yeah there's different styles of animation in this i and that's just awesome and it's just so fun. Like it's funny all the way through. It's quirky, and it's just it's really sweet. You know, it it makes you think about like that time when you were a teenager, and didn't have everything figured out, and we're like just trying to figure out what love and sex were. And right. Yeah, it's nice. It's it's it really like by far stood out from the rest of the back as like yes, it definitely did. Movie. I mean, it helps that it's interspersed with like live action shots of that girl talking <laughs> yeah that was um, that like, was fun too like um, let you know that like this was let, actually her story yeah it lets you know just how personal it is i think that really really added something to it um and uh you know just knowing that it was like a real personal story just makes it it would have been good regardless but it, there's just like an added layer of like yeah you know what this is all super believable um you know the guys that you would meet in high school in like the 90s yeah of course they acted like that um yeah um you know it's completely believable um so yeah i thought it, i thought it was really good i thought it was such a um fun and smart personal story um you know, not everyone can take their personal stories and translate them so directly into into good content. Um, yeah, I thought this was an exceptional example of that. There is unfortunately a less than honorable cinema worker in this movie. Um, he's, no. one of, he's, yeah. he's one of the dicks. Um, not not a great look there. Yeah, not not making the rest of us. Uh, movie theater workers look good no yeah. no I, I like that like the dicks in the title has like a double meaning it's like there's there's a lot of dicks in this movie obviously um but also the guys are dicks mostly yeah they're all <laughs> dickheads yeah that's that's fun um yeah i i i really enjoyed it and um that's the end of the animated. Yeah. That's that. Well, why don't we talk about live action while we're doing shorts? Um, the live action. I like, I don't know. Some of these, a I liked a couple of these. Some of these were a real mixed bag here. Um, yeah, I'm looking through them now. Um, meh. <laughs> yeah um, i mean not, none of them were like oh my god like that was awesome but like i liked maybe half of them pretty well um let's say let's talk irish goodbye um okay th this was one of the ones i like more this is uh set in northern ireland and it's about um a young man who comes back from england to 
bury his mother who's died and um he's he's there with his brother who has down syndrome and it's about their like them attempting to bond again with their mother's death and like their struggle to do that and his desire to move on but also at the same time he's kind of torn because his family's still here um and they they bond through uh their mother's like list of bucket list of things to do before she dies they're like we're gonna make sure that she completes this list (laughs) so they're just doing all these things with her like urn of ashes which is <laughs> lends itself to some pretty funny scenes. Like they're like, Oh, does, we're going to yes. have a rave with our mom's ashes. Like we're going to send our mom's ashes skydiving and just like silly crap like that. Um, but you know, it's, it's very sweet. It's very silly. Um, and it's pretty heartwarming at the end. So it is. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I like, this was maybe my favorite one, at least my second favorite um yeah it was just it was sweet and it was funny and it was pretty well put together i i was not like it just as soon as they started doing the bucket list it got silly so fast i was just like whoa yeah. like this this movie's really taken off um i appreciate that it was well done i was glad for that i feel like a lot of the live action shorts usually most years are not very silly i liked that this one was um yeah, this one was sweet. I thought it was nice. I have nothing bad to say about it, really. All right. Um, Les Pupilles. I, Les I'm... Pupilles. So is it is it French Les Pupilles or is it Italian Les Pupilles? It may be Les Pupilles. Well, that means like think... eyes. Like eye the pupils. I, the eye um, pupils? I don't know. This is an Italian film. It is, but they speak French. It's it's very complicated because they're 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 taking classes. You know they do. That, that one. They do. Yeah, they're taking Wait, classes. Is the audio in this in French? No, but they're taking a class where they're take where they're learning a different language. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. I I okay. So first of all, I had trouble watching this. Uh, I watched this on Disney Plus, and when you load this up on Disney Plus, it just starts playing it in the dubbed english version and oh that's annoying and i was like wait what like i know that this movie's not supposed to be in english so then i'm just like i went through and had to manually select the italian audio and the english subtitles and that was so me that- when i watched um Argentina. When I watched Argentina, I had to manually select. Yeah, like, yeah, the original it did that for me too. Did, yeah, yeah, that was annoying. But this one and like this one, I was, I was like, is it in Italian? Because now you're you're making me doubt myself. Like, no, it, it is. It is in Italian. Italian. It very much. No, it very much. It is an Italian film. Um, okay, good. Because and then um, the 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 bookend to this story is that like the next week when I went to go watch uh, the Mickey Mouse shorts on. Disney Plus, it started playing them in Italian. <laughs> oh, nice. That's funny. <laughs> I was like, uh, what is going on? Oh, right. Because it remembers that I want to play it in Italian for some reason rather than just defaulting to the natural language of whatever it's playing. Normal streaming content things. <laughs> okay. Some people, 
and I suspect there's a maybe a majority of people they prefer dubs to having to read. So you know, I um, I just never like I'm not that person. But. I occasionally it makes sense to do that. Like I kind of get it with like anime and stuff, even though I'm I'm still more of a subs over dubs guy. But like live action stuff, that's most of the time very distracting to me. If you're yes, exactly, especially if you have the option of listening in the original audio. Like I did have to watch the dub version of RRR because they did not have the Telugu version on Netflix, but uh, I managed to get through that. But it was a little distracting. Yeah, that would anyway. Be. Le pupille or le pupille. Le pupille. Which we still haven't decided on. It's a le uh, pupille. You know, they have all those close up shots of the eyes. Um, um, okay. It's it's um, a story of. It's a, but if, it you, ta- if you. What's funny about it is that from an English perspective, you're thinking pupils because it's about students, right? Like uh-huh. you're thinking like the students. And so it is still. You know, it's kind of playing on that expectation, I think. because But the word for that in Italian would be like. Le alunne, it would it, mm. like alumni. Um, oh, so uh, interesting. Yeah. So they they wouldn't say they wouldn't say that they wouldn't say pupile for students in Italian. That's mm. like the I pupil. So good to um, know. Good good bit of info there. Um, this film is produced by Alfonso Caron, which is random. Yeah, <laughs> because he's that, not Italian. No, um, I don't know what's going on there. Um, it's set in an Italian orphanage during World War II. We're getting some big Pinocchio vibes here, obviously. Stop! Um, <laughs> and it's it's just about all these little orphan girls and they're like kind of mischievous and like doing silly things like dancing to the radio when the nun goes away. And forbid. there's this big thing with a cake. There's that like they have to do like a living nativity thing. It's Which just is very funny. It's it's all this is a very Catholic film. There's like I feel like you'll get a lot out of this if you're Catholic. <laughs> that yeah, I feel like that's right. That's probably... It's also very silly. It's um that's a, this is another silly one. Um, yeah, it's um, got these kind of like fourth wall breaking bits where like the girls sing directly to camera and are like talking about the morals of the story and well they're like singing a letter they're like singing a letter that was written yeah um and i think it's a letter that like one of the characters is supposed to have written to somebody like maybe like who whatever the inspiration for the story was they're like singing that letter Mm -hmm. um um and that's pretty cute i think um i don't know i really like this one this one might be my favorite um yeah i thought it was really it was funny it was fun it was I feel like different than most live action shorts we get. Um, I was kind of surprised this was like a Disney film. Um, not that it, there's anything inappropriate in it. It's just like not what I would think of when I think of like Disney shorts, you know? Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. It's interesting um, for them. Yeah. Frankly, I would... I would think Disney would typically, typically stay away from like something so explicitly involved in like a major religion, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So much of this movie only makes sense because of like an understanding of like Catholicism and Catholic schools and things like that. Um, um, so it's just kind of funny. Um, yeah, there was a lot in this movie about like 
is it okay to break the rules if the rules are a little silly or like how, right. how strictly do we have to adhere to like the rules of a religion even if we're being generally good people are we evil just because we want to slice a cake or to have a dance now and then um right. it, it was interesting it, yeah it was cute it was very funny i would say this was either my favorite or second favorite with like irish goodbye in the mix there somewhere yeah. um yeah. but yeah both of those were were funny and fun watches um and a good break from what is the standard live action short fare which is bleak as fuck so glad well, to have some fun ones this year yeah those were those were definitely two fun ones i'd say we got some other that weren't so happy um yeah so also that cake looked delicious as hell that cake did look really good it was so bright red it was yeah. like the reddest cake i've ever seen it was very red it looked so moist when they cut into it it's like oh yes you're gonna yeah, give good you're gonna just give this cake to like the bishop or whatever like yeah what the fuck on. was that Rather about than letting the orphans have it like somehow that's the holy thing to do come on they want to make the the orphans as like live the ascetic lifestyle you know um i was glad that the like the chimney sweeps got to enjoy it at least briefly <laughs> like, digging into it, it with their hands yeah well i do i i do like the ending where they're like what's the message of this who's to say (laughs) (laughs) that's about how i feel watching this i'm like i feel like there's there is something in there but i don't i don't really know (laughs) right i (laughs) like that okay just kind of how it made me feel overall is what i'll remember i guess you know it's just like it's just like life you know life is like this um yeah so just just crazy random things happen sometimes and you're like yeah that's fate or god maybe or maybe the world's just like that who knows all right let's talk red suitcase we're going kind of inversely in my list of liked films here um red suitcase i feared at the beginning was going to be extremely bleak um yeah me too this had all the hallmarks of like the classic, like really brutal live action short. Uh, but it surprised me in a very good way. Um, so this is about um, an Iranian teenager who has come to Luxembourg on a plane by herself uh, as part of an arranged marriage deal. And she's supposed to meet her new husband here, but she obviously does not want any of that she's trying to escape and it's all just about her trying to get away at this airport unnoticed and i thought what really worked about this is that it did not dwell too much about just what an incredibly fucked up situation this was and how dark it was but it was more focused on like her emotions and feelings at the moment and her fight to escape and it was it was sort of structured like a thriller really it was just like all right if you like if you were in this situation how would you get out of this like how would you disguise yourself how would you get on the bus undetected whatever all of that um so right. i thought that was what made this work and not be too bogged down in like 
the general sadness of these kind of shorts. It instead was kind of exciting and thrilling, and you were really rooting for her to get through. Yeah, I do think a lesser short would have been just like preaching to us about like the horrors of arranged marriage or something. You know what I mean? Um, this one was, wasn't doing all of that. And I did, I did really appreciate that. Like we don't, we don't need to, you know, I don't need you moralizing to me. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I think um, we just kind of understand very easily by seeing how distressed she is, that this is not something that she wants any part of. And like seeing the lengths to which she's willing to go that of course yeah like that 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 that's not a good thing and instead we're just focused on like okay so how is she gonna make it out right yeah um and it is pretty you know it's a close call it's pretty harrowing um (laughs) she has to like escape this this terminal this airport um that's upsetting (laughs) um so it is uh it is interesting and it is it is sad too i mean it's not i think the ending is kind of hopeful but it's sad that it had to come to that um, right yeah you know um so that's too bad but it was nice that i do think the ending wasn't like despairing um <laughs> you know right i think of all the live action shorts this is the one that i would like most like to see a full length version of maybe see more of like how she's able to survive what she's able to do in this new country. Yeah. I, I did have questions on. about like what happens after this. I was like, Hmm. Okay. But yeah, could be good. Um, Ivalu. Man, I barely remember Ivalu. <laughs> this one is, um, in, uh, Greenland. This yeah, young girl looking for her little sister and like it's it's a pretty landscape that she's wandering through. That's and my memory of it was the like, visuals. <laughs> her her search for her sister is is kind of interesting and like you you hear her like talking to her in her mind, but we gradually delve into the like the the dark place of the live action shorts and then we find out that her sister was being molested by her father and we're we're shown some upsetting scenes of that um yes yeah it 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 gets pretty bleak (laughs) this is this is definitely one of the bleaker ones um I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen these. I saw these in like early February. Um, But like, I don't know. My memory of this wasn't particularly positive. Yeah. It was just like, I like, I I liked the beginning of it. I liked all the scenery and everything, but it just, it started really getting, getting dark at the end. And not in like, not like a, a well constructed way. It was just like, Oh, okay. There it is. You know, it's just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. not, it not was... the worst, but not, not exceptional really. No, no, definitely not exceptional. I mean, not even particularly good because I mean, it, it's just not memorable either. <laughs> like if I can't really remember it, the, something has gone wrong. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. This is, this is the real test. 
if you can still remember it a month later. So let's close out with on the live action shorts with Night Ride. <laughs> oh uh, God, that's the worst of them. This is definitely the most troubling of them. Um, there are some good parts to this, but there's some really questionable parts as well. Um, that are are definitely like this is another one where it's like this is going to be controversial. Um, so this is about a a little person who is waiting for a late night tram and then like accidentally ends up stealing the tram. Yes, <laughs> which like it starts out like, oh, this is kind of a like a comedic fun premise. It's like she's just kind of like on this tram and like driving it. And now she's like picking up passengers like, okay, what's going to happen next? But then there's this whole plot with a trans woman who's on also on the tram and starts getting harassed by these guys. But the, the new fake driver doesn't want to intervene and is trying to just like hide from it. And I don't know. It, I couldn't really get what kind of tone this film was going for overall. Like it seemed like at times it was trying to be kind of comedic, but then it got like really fucked up and menacing for a bit there, but it was still like, she was like hiding behind the curtain and stuff, like trying to ignore what was going on. I'm like, this is not good. Like what's happening here? No. I don't know. Like, the, yeah, like you said, the tone is all over the place. Um, I also just, the whole, I don't know, the whole premise was kind of weird. Like, like I was all for the premise of, like, somebody accidentally having to drive, like, a late night public transportation. That's kind of funny. Yeah. But then, like, why do we have, like, I, I don't know that we needed this plot with, like, a trans woman on the train and being harassed and like, you can't stop it. Like, I, I don't know, like all of this, it felt like the too much going on at once. Um, um, just not the right way to structure this. Yeah. It was very unpleasant. And yeah. I feel like they, they tried to end on like a hopeful note. Like it's like, Oh yeah. You, people can like stick up for one another. Yeah. But, but you both got, you're both off the train in the snow in the dark (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and and nobody stood up for them either like nobody else was willing to help so it was kind of bleak it was it was like wow like most people aren't gonna gonna help you when shit goes bad um i don't know i i didn't like that (laughs) no no you shouldn't Anyway, so, yeah, that's the live-action shorts. Kind of a mixed bag this year. Highs and lows. Um, But there's a few good ones in there. Yeah, the shorts were just weird. Like, all shorts programs were kind of weird this year. I feel like they were overall all less depressing than usual. But a little more scattered, just in terms of quality. We're going to have to start going a bit faster here. Let's yeah, we are. Uh, <laughs> let's zip into RRR. Um, RRR. This one's gonna be a little more fun. Uh, this movie was awesome. I mean, yeah, it's a great movie. We all knew it was going to be, 
but I mean, I was blown away by this. Everything about like the visual look, the costumes, the cinematography, this like the choreography, the fight scenes, the dance scenes, the music, just everything was top notch. Yeah. Huge fan. Love this movie. Saw it in theaters. Um, was a brunch screening. Had a blast. Um, we got a little intermission. That was nice. Um, you know, all all good. Nothing negative to say about this movie. Absolutely loved it. Um, what a blast. Um, the music is great. Um, the the story is is fun. It's all so. I mean, in typical like Tollywood fashion, it's like over the top, which is nice. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. And it's just like, the action is so like ridiculous and great. It's all so good. Um, like fighting tigers and people and why not, you know, um, why are we not doing all of that? Throwing um, motorcycles at people, you know? Yeah. I really love when he catches like a, like an active motorcycle, like in midair. And I'm like, yeah, okay. That seems you know, like a fighting thing. people while on piggyback. You know, then you can do listen, that in this world. Listen, you can do it all. We can do it all. Um, this movie is like very pro gun. Um, so it is kind of funny that it's like become such an international sensation. Um, Oh yeah. Uh, but this movie is like explicitly pro gun. Um, well, yeah, this movie frames guns as a tool of revolution and fighting back against oppression, which Um, is a take. That's a way of seeing things. I suppose, especially in the framework of, a film in, about revolutionaries. In I was gonna say, in the context of like the movie, I think it works, and also, um, I think there's probably some truth to it in certain contexts. Just generally, I mean, you, some revolutions won't happen without a way to, to overthrow people. I mean, um, so, but you know, um, yeah. So uh, also, uh, you know, the leads are just so great in this. Um, Ram oh Sharan God, yeah. as uh, as 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 one of our leads is just so good, and so uh, whoo. What a man. Um, <laughs> They're both very um, good looking, very yeah. talented and charismatic. The, you know, the singing, the dancing, the action, they've both got it all. Um, huge stars, both of them. And like, they're yeah. both enormous stars in they their are. own part they're of the huge world. huge stars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's one of those things that like can get lost when you're like watching Bollywood or Tollywood or something and you're not, you know, well-versed in those films. Like some of these that like, just like how big the stars are in these movies. Um, uh, Cause we, it's just like the crossover isn't particularly high. Right. Um, yeah. This is like the so. equivalent of like watching oceans 11 in the U S it's like right. that level of star power here. Yeah. The, the main two guys and one of the, one of the main girls, um, Sita, um, she's also a huge star. Um, you know, there's just like so much star power in this. Um, and you know, that's crazy just in and of itself um that you know that's fun for that would be fun for our equivalent you know um so mm-hmm. um yeah um but yeah overall this was just great what a great experience i loved seeing it on the big screen um it was awesome <laughs> i loved how ridiculous all the english people were in this movie oh <laughs> yeah of course had, had like the most stereotypical villain dialogue <laughs> oh yeah why would they not um you know that was i mean the and like i loved that like that one woman was just like evil um oh and god she got, like, yeah she's like i like, want to see him bleed yeah, i want a pool was, like, of blood that was insane um yeah um 
man, the the characters, yeah, the 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 villains in this were just just nuts. Um, which is, of course, as it should be. I mean, they should be over the top archetypes. That's like the yeah. whole point of this movie. Yeah, everything um, is dialed up to eleven in this movie. So you got to have the villains right. be crazy over the top. I mean, this is a movie in which they want to save like a boy who's like going to be burning on a river or something, and so they like have to involve a motorcycle and a horse and a rope and the Indian <laughs> flag for some reason. I'm like, I don't know why all of this is necessary. Um, yeah, but um, well, I'm here for it. Like, it, yeah, I mean, it was a great scene, so like, I'm not mad about it. There's um, so many what incredibly well executed action scenes in this movie, and like, yeah. especially involving like ropes and pulleys and crazy stuff like that that just yeah. defies all logic but somehow it works yeah i mean i don't care about logic um that's not why i'm here um so yeah i thought that was awesome um, yeah just such a great movie it's like such a shame that the indian academy like bungles who they nominate who they put forth for their their international feature nomination nominee oh yeah. Year. Um, yeah this would easily be my favorite foreign film yeah, um, and it, it it would have I mean it would have easily won best international feature if it had been like the nominee, but they didn't select it. They didn't. It wasn't up for the nomination. Um, that was kind of silly, but but it is a bummer a... that it didn't get other nominations. Yeah, I mean, um, there's so, so many other things you could nominate this for: uh, effects, you know. cinematography. Like, did, I mean, there's... it honestly probably could have been a best picture nominee. There are some sure. best picture nominees yeah. that are. There's Way plenty of room in, <laughs> in the best picture field for something like this. Um, but, you know, at least we got the song nomination. I think that in my mind, this should be the front runner. I don't know if that's the way that the field is playing out, but this. Unfortunately, if, knowing who's going to win fucking best song is like the most. <laughs> It's like such a mystery to me. That one's um, really hard to tell, but like. But I will say, of the options, if this doesn't win, win, it would be like kind of upsetting. Yeah, um, I'll definitely be upset. I mean, not to, not to. Imagine is if fucking one of the highlights wins. of the movie. God, yeah. I would <laughs> I like just throw watched that into a fire, and we'll get um, into that. But that song was very underwhelming. Um, it is not a good song. That's like some bad bullshit. Um. <laughs> But yes, if there's any justice in this world, Natu Natu should win um, and no, get RRR at least one Oscar. Uh, it definitely deserves it. It deserves some others too, but um, it definitely deserves at least the one. Um, that is a really good song. It okay. actually is the best song from the movie, I think. Often it's not the best song from the movie. Yeah, this yeah. One, I think it actually is. There <laughs> are a lot of good songs in this movie, too. My personal favorite was the one where he's, like, chained up and being whipped. And he's oh, singing... The, the this... Passion of the Christ. Yeah, See? he's singing that song of defiance. I thought that, yeah, like... that was really good, too. That was, that really was good. so dramatic and beautiful. But I'm not going to re-listen to that, like, all the time in my apartment. Like, I'm yeah. going to listen to Natu Natu all the time. It's not um, It's not as fun to listen to, certainly. Natu Natu is a lot of fun. Um, I did like, like, the ending credit song, too. And though. the whole dance really good, sequence yeah. that went along with it was really cool and just That was really fun, amazing. yeah. So, yeah, we both had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, since we've mentioned applause, let's talk about tell it like a woman. Like I'd really rather not talk about it. Um, I just watched this, this movie. This was like one of the worst movies of the Oscar watch easily. I mean, yeah. it might be the worst. 
I like, like at I, least like the whale, which I really disliked. At least the whale, I feel like there was like a director trying interesting things there. Like I, I don't. I think I didn't like it because it was a director trying something, and I think it, that those attempts failed for me. In this one, it's like the most basic ass directing, basic ass storytelling. Like yeah, the, there's not even anything interesting going it on is, here. It's hard to even assess this as like a discrete film being in that it is a film like an anthology film made up of separate segments, but it really does no work to tie those together. No, nope. it's really like you're kind of watching a short film festival rather than an actual film, <laughs> which is a weird experience. <sighs> like I, I wasn't expecting a frame story. Like I was hoping for a frame story, but I was like, I, I don't think they're going to have one, but I was expecting something to at least tie these things together. Instead, we just got like a title for each one with the director and the actors. And like, that was it. It was like watching the live action shorts all over again. Right. <laughs> it was like, we had to go through the live action shorts a second time in this. Oscar that is watch, literally what it was like. That really is exactly feels what it like was. we got burned this year. Um, yeah. There were a few standouts. I thought the first segment by Taraji P. Henson was by far the best. Um, yeah, that was probably the best. Yeah. And that one started out a little rough, too, but it ended up being pretty good. It's about this woman who's in jail, who's struggling with mental illness, and she's sort of battling with herself to gain control and to like get her life on the right path. And this is borne out through like two different versions of herself talking to each other. And I thought that was pretty well done. You know, it's not like a level stuff, but like a solid little bit of drama there. Um, Most of the other segments were just not worth writing home about. Um, I like the veterinarian one. Okay. That was like, Eh. that was, decent you know it at least had a bit of conflict and a story to it um though the indian one was at least visually interesting i really was not much story there at all but there was some fun like dance sequences and stuff right but i mean that's just about it i was excited when i saw there was an animated segment but that animated segment was terrible it was, <laughs> it was so like, bad it was awful happening there uh <laughs> So yeah, um, this whole th- it was just all disappointing. So much effort and so much drama for that. The um, and all for a song that isn't even good. Yeah, the song was very underwhelming. They played the song three times. They in the did. Movie. Yes, they played the song during the segment that it was featured in, which was like it was an okay portion. It like it fit into the story of that short. And like the song was like okay, I was I heard it. I was like, all right, that's a pretty generic song. I hope that doesn't win the best song Oscar. But then they played it as the credit song for the overall film, and then right after that, they played a like a dance version of the yep. song with a yep. music video going. And then weirdest of all, once that finished, there was no music for the rest of the credits. God. There was like another four minutes of credits with just no music at all. 
as if the only music they could bother to make for this film was that one song which was yeah really... they decided nobody's watching this far sorry <laughs> everyone's probably turned it off at this point i mean like i don't know i like the overall concept and idea behind this of course of but, course but the execution like really felt very slap shot like they just kind of like the directors some of them probably worked very hard on this but whoever was organizing it to put this all together approached this in a very cynical manner just you just need slapping yeah. them all together there's gotta you gotta have something better to tie these things together when you do an uh you know an anthology like this like it can't just be like like directed by women is not enough to tie seven films together like yeah no no also that that cara de Levine segment was like i don't downright want, I insulting can't. that was bad that was that so was... bad cara de Levine as a homeless woman is not something we need at all like that's no. just that is not no no just i no. really did not like that one that one was bad uh okay enough about that film that was it was very unpleasant. Um, let's talk about women talking. Women talking. Yes. I watched this last night. This is my last theatrical screening of my Oscars watch. And I thought this was fantastic. Um, this it, it, like this is kind of like the classic, like most of it takes place in one room kind of film. And I thought they really use that format very well here. Um, well, it really feels like a play. It feels like a play, but apparently not based on a play. It's not based on a play, but yeah. it feels like a play. It feels like it should be a play. And they could definitely stage this as a play if they wanted to. Um, Easy. There's, Easily. Yeah. There is uh, top-level writing on display here. An incredible cast, which brings that to life. Um, that I just thought it, I thought it was really powerful. This is a story of a group of women who are debating whether to leave the religious commune that they live in, um, in what is initially sort of an undefined time frame. You're not really supposed to know immediately what time this takes place in, but eventually you find out this film is set in 2010. Uh, yep. it seems like it should be much older than that. Cause you know, everybody's dressed very archaically. Um, but it is set in this, I, I guess Mennonite that a lot of people are saying Mennonite. It is, it, it is Mennonite, Mennonite because it, it's based on real life events. So, okay. um, yeah, yeah. it's based uh, on real life events, but they, they tell us specifically in the beginning that this is like a, a work of imagination based off of those right. real events this um, is like what they it is wish the women would do maybe um but it's all about their their debate as to whether they should leave this community after a series of violent sexual attacks on women in the community and the discovery of who's responsible for that and being asked to forgive the men responsible and to take right. them back into the community yeah um my thing so this movie i did like it i thought um it was well written i thought the acting was very very good 
I wish it had like looked less ugly. I don't know why the coloring was so weird. I don't like I don't know what was going on, but it did not look nice. There is um, a very basic color palette. Yeah. Yeah. It just looked not good. And it was like distracting for me the whole time. I was like, why does this look like it was like shot through saran wrap? <laughs> like, um, I don't know. Just a weird a weird choice was made there with the coloring. Um and, and all and I don't know. Um but overall I did like the movie. Um I thought it was powerful. I thought it was effective. I thought the cast was really, really good. Um it's just so weird how it feels so much like a play. Like like they're even like just like the way the dialogue is structured, it feels like a play. It's so it's so odd. Yeah. Um because it's it's based on a novel, so it's not a play, but it, it is odd how much watching this was like, oh yeah, based on a play. But it just wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean the 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 basic structure of the story lends itself to being set in one room for the most part. And there's not really many reasons for them to leave that room. But yeah, like you, you do get that feeling that it should be a play. I feel like this this would do pretty well as a play. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But it is apparently not a play. Um, Which is surprising. We've, we've mentioned the cast. Uh, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, all huge standouts in this. Um, also, small appearance by Frances McDormand. That's true. Early on in this. Um, and Ben Wishaw is in this as well. Um, always yes, like seeing like him show up. One of the only men. Um, yes. The only good man in this movie. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Who's an adult, anyway? Yeah. Um, yeah, this was good. I'm glad it was nominated for some awards. Um, I think that's yeah. nice. I just, I, I like the structure of the story. How it, like, some people have compared this to, like, 12 Angry Men. And I think that's kind of apt. It's, you know, people coming in with their own opinions and trying to mesh them against each other and, like, taking sides and, some people shift over to this side and then shift back to that side and just like how you work out that kind of discussion. And of course, a lot of different philosophical ideas of like forgiveness and hope and stuff like that come up. And it's just a, an interesting format to explore a lot of different aspects of humanity. Right. So, right. Yeah. I, I feel like those, those kind of movies are always interesting to me. And this was a particularly well done one. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree. I liked it. I'm really glad I saw it. Um, I saw it right before, like the day the Oscar nominations were announced. I already had a ticket. Oh, wow. so um, this was like, this was like the, the first, this one. was my first one post announcement. Okay. I think mine was like puss in boots. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one that I was like, Oh, this is still in theaters, but it won't be for long. I got to go. <laughs> that is definitely fair. All right. We've got, just a couple more to talk about. Uh, Bardo. Bardo. Man, Bardo was good, but it like needed like 45 minutes trimmed off. Um, that's my big takeaway from Bardo. Is it? Yeah. needed a solid 45 minutes shaved off of that. Film. I can, I can uh, see that this was a two hour and 40 minute film. Um, very few movie movies should be that long. It's not, you don't need, most things don't need to be that long. Um, I did like it though. I really liked, um, 
I mean, I liked a lot about it. I mean, the visuals were obviously great, but I really liked like, just like when you would suddenly slip into like his like weird dream world. Um, yeah. And like, you would never know until it was suddenly happening. Um, and like the first few times, of course you don't even know at all. Like, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, um, so, um, you know, I, I thought it was, it was really cool and it was a really good way to keep you like disoriented, but also interested. Um, and it, it did help you get into like the mindset of the character. Um, yeah. There's so. that, that dreamlike quality of this film was really great. Like, I feel like this captures perfectly like the feeling of being in a dream where things are just slightly off, but you're not exactly certain how, and like it changes how, the way that things are different. Uh, right. I thought that was really good. Um, this this film is about a Mexican documentarian who um, is going through a bit of like a personal identity crisis as he's won this big award, um, and he's trying to struggle with his uh, his connection to his homeland in Mexico and his current home in Los Angeles. And, um, as he's going through this, he, he, he starts stepping into like sort of a dreamlike state throughout his everyday life. Uh, like he's riding on the LA Metro and all of a sudden he sees just like the entire ground fills up with water and fish are swimming around and just other crazy stuff like that. Things start getting like really weird for him in the middle of just very everyday situations, he sees crazy stuff like a, like a mountain of corpses with Hernan Cortez at the top of it. Oh and like God, having yeah. a conversation with him up there about colonialism and about the conquistadors. Um, it's like a, it's a, it gets very heady at times. It covers so many different topics. And I feel like this was a very, personally reflective film for Inaritu. I feel like he's kind of thinking about his own legacy with this film. Absolutely. About, I think that's cause, undeniable. Because the filmmaker in this movie, I mean, first of all, it's about a filmmaker. So obviously that's going to be a bit of a personal thing. But he's facing some of the same criticisms that Inaritu gets in his career and also for this movie i feel like he's acutely aware of how this movie will be criticized he's seen as being overly self-indulgent in um being a bit muddled and confused and having these grand spectacles that don't always mean as much as they should um that <laughs> that kind of sums up the reaction to this film i think yeah um, i think that's right I, I, there's just a lot of crazy over the top stuff that happens in it. Yeah. I think he was very clearly thinking about his own like image and the reception to this movie. I think that's, um, I do think that's really interesting. He's, he's obviously talking about himself here. Um, I, you know, I think it's a natural thing for him to worry about his like legacy and like, especially this idea of like identity and like, you know, quote unquote, which country you belong to, um, yeah. which country you call home. Um, I think that's obviously something that's on his mind here, um, which is interesting. And of course, you know, makes sense or is fair, you know, is difficult to grapple with, I guess. Um, so. Right. 
Yeah, some of the scenes where he's like, especially the one where he has the argument with the border patrol, uh, not the border. Oh, yeah, patrol, that's the, rough. Yeah, yeah the, about uh, like w- where he can call his home, like what what this is like a TSA what, agent. Right? Yeah, yeah, like the TSA. <laughs> um, and like I feel like that was like very personal. That was like very heartfelt there. Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. And all there, there is a twist ending to this movie that I don't want to give away, but um, we gradually come to find out what the nature of these dreamlike states is, and like why he's having these experiences, right? And I thought that was like that was a very powerful way to end this film. Um, yeah. This this was a intense kind of movie for me. Um, it was. This is also not the only movie with a cognizant unborn baby. Um, that's on the Oscars. Oh watch, God, watch yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, this is gonna be a great transition, actually. Um, yeah, because there's um, there's the his his unborn baby is like a big part of this film and like keeps showing up and like talking to him and. Oh god! In weird said, times, like when it pops out of time. his wife's vagina and he has to like push it back in, and I'm like, the, right, while they're normal. like having sex, that was a yeah. very disturbing scene. <laughs> yeah, that was really upsetting. That was oh yeah, that was very like first of all dreamlike, definitely like this sort of like internal logic kind of thing that would only show up in a dream, but like that sort of archetypal metaphysical feeling where it's like you're connecting that baby that doesn't exist but should to the place where it came from and now you're like permanently scarred by that that is (laughs) that's weird to think about really weird (laughs) yeah um this is a real. This is a strange but fun movie to watch. Um, it was, yeah. Again, I wish it had been shorter. I feel like there was obvious stuff that could have been cut, but like, um, it was really enjoyable despite the runtime. Yeah, yeah. This is this is one where I could definitely see it being cut down without losing much. Um, there's especially a lot of those scenes at like at the party that could have been shorter. Although there are some, there's some fun stuff in there that I wouldn't want to lose. Of like course the there's part, fun stuff. Yeah. The part yeah. where he's having the conversation with his dad, but he's like a miniature version of himself, like child uh, Yeah, side. that's pretty fun, yeah. <laughs> that was great. And again, very dreamlike. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's just a touch of all the weird stuff that happens in this film. Like we could go on for hours about that. Oh, yeah, there's but, plenty. Uh, if you're into weird stuff, this one is up there for this year. Absolutely. This is this is one of the weirder ones, so go check that out. Here is another weird film that also has a unborn baby prominently featured, and that <laughs> is Blonde. Blonde. This this may be the most contentious film on our watch this year, folks, because I enjoyed this movie and I. I take it you did not, Matt. I'm I'm just gonna guess you did not like this film. I didn't love it. I mean, I didn't have like the knee jerk negative reaction that some people have to it. Um, 
I just don't know what the point of it all was. Like, it was just, like, pure, like, misery porn for, like, two and a half hours. Um, yeah. I'm not sure it really had anything interesting to say. And I think that when you make us watch, like, everything we had to watch in this movie, I think you kind of need to have something interesting to say. Um, I don't know that this movie did. Um, so, you know, I it was weird. I respect that the film was, like, trying to be artful um it just didn't all come together for me i didn't i'm gonna be honest i don't think ana de armas deserves the best actress nomination i don't get it i don't think she was particularly great um i don't know it, it's all it just didn't work for me um but i don't think it's bad either like i i think there was an effort at doing something here and i think that's admirable um I'm just not sure what the point was. And I'm not sure what the point of like so exaggerating some events in Marilyn Monroe's life are to make a point that could be made with just like her actual life. Like, yeah. like that's what does, doesn't make sense to me. Like, uh, like her life already speaks to all of the themes you wanted to clearly say here. So why make it like, why add extra things and, and make her so much more miserable? Like, I don't know. Um, that's not all on the director. This is based on a book. Um, yeah. But um, uh, Joyce by Joyce Carol, Carol Oates, Oates, who is one of the most unhinged people um, on the <laughs> internet. Um, one, of the, one, of the, so. one of our greatest posters. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's not all on the director and writer um, because I, I don't... Did Joyce Carol Oates write the screenplay? I actually don't know. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like an odd it's just odd to me, you know? Um, but I, again, I think there's like some real effort at doing like real artistic work here that I, I do admire. Um, um, and I don't know, it's just a weird, it's a strange movie. I don't get the point. I don't get the point. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Oates and Dominic are both credited for writing this film. That um, seems right. Yeah. Yeah. Joyce Carol Oates obviously wrote the, uh, original book, and Andrew Dominic directed. Uh, yeah, I I get what you're saying. Um, I I don't I don't know if I could really say what the point of this film is entirely. <laughs> I, and like, I'm the first to say that not all movies have to have a point. I watch a lot yeah. of like stupid slashers, but I think that if you're gonna subject us to like like miser like a character in misery for two hours and forty seven minutes, like you gotta you gotta say something with that yeah like, you know i think it had something to say about like celebrity culture and like having a false self that but is i don't think it had anything projection. interesting to say like right yeah that that's, hadn't been said already about that's that. that's like, where i'll i'll agree with you that like i don't know that it knew exactly what it was trying to say about those things uh but that was like sort of an idea that was was running through this uh it was a bit muddled to be sure there were definitely parts of this that went way above where they needed to um to get across whatever point they were trying to make but um i don't know i feel like it can be appreciated as a bit of like misery porn or exploitation it, it is good at that 
it is very it is very like a top-notch example of that and i did think that the acting in this was quite good i i liked anna de armas's performance in this i thought that working with the material she had she did an incredible job um she was just very sympathetic to me and uh you know just seemed like i don't know like i I don't know that I've ever even seen a Marilyn Monroe film, honestly. So I can't speak to whether she's doing a good Monroe, but she I, is. Yeah. I think as a character, she does a good job with this performance, whether that character I mean, she does is fine. Marilyn I don't think Monroe she does a bad job. It just wouldn't have been a memorable performance in it in a year for me. Otherwise I wouldn't, yeah. have, I wouldn't have remembered it at the end of a year thinking, Oh yeah, I should nominate that for best, best performance. Okay. Um, yeah. What I thought was was most interesting about this film was like the the cinematography because it's really it does some really crazy things a lot of times. I especially think like a lot of those crowd scenes where people are swarming her, they it they like there's this really interesting way the film has of showing just like how overwhelming these crowds can be. They, it, like time and space seems to get kind of warped by the presence of these crowds they seem endless and all enveloping uh there's this very unearthly feeling to the crowds that form at these premieres and at paparazzi shoots and stuff like that so i I thought that was very interesting but yeah like i said i liked certain technical and and visual elements of it i mean and i do i do agree with you on some of like the way the crowding was filmed um and just like various things throughout, I do like the way a lot of the film was shot. I thought it, I thought it looked very, very good. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that. I just wish the story had done more for me at the end of the day. Um, yeah. The story didn't do a ton. Also, I got to say, we get it. The daddy issues, we know. Like, <laughs> we could all just like, if we could calm down with the word daddy, like every two seconds. It was like one thing when she was like calling like Bobby Cannavale da- daddy. Um, you know, it's like that's Joe DiMaggio. Like, I'm sure he was daddy. He, he's daddy. But then yeah. it's like Adrian Brody as Arthur Miller. I'm like, I don't think you can call that guy. <laughs> Adrian daddy. Brody is not daddy. That's not I'm daddy sorry. anymore. We gotta stop. We gotta <laughs> we gotta rein this one in. Um, I mean, the worst could have been if she'd been like calling Cass Chaplin daddy. Um, I would have been like, this is like a joke, right? Um, but uh, like, oh my god. Um. But yeah, I was like, we need to like calm down. Like the the daddy stuff was like definitely like we we were like beat over the head with that stuff. There's uh, a lot of daddy in this. Uh, if if you're into that, that this is a good film for it. There's also like a close up of her giving a blowjob to a president who was assassinated, and I gotta say, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, that scene was like that. That's. When I say that parts of this film went too far, that's that's where I draw the line. Not because it was offensive, but just because it was so ridiculous that it was like, how is anyone supposed to take this part seriously? Yeah, like, I don't care. Just, I don't care about going too far necessarily. It's just that like we're it's like watching this. That like this is in the movie. <laughs> it's like POV from the base of the shaft. I'm like, right. I don't like. Why are we watching it like this? Like. This isn't, we don't need to be seeing this. And like, we're hearing JFK being like, yeah, you dirty whore. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I don't know. Also, it's the same actor who played JFK and Jackie. Yeah. Like, 
No, like, that, that's like what this guy is known for, pretty much, is playing JFK. Yeah. He, he has a pretty good impression down and obviously has a good physical resemblance. Um, but yeah, that, that scene was very upsetting. <laughs> it just wasn't necessary. Like, I don't know what we're, I don't even, I mean, I like know thematically the point it's trying to make, I guess, but it's like, I don't know that we needed to see it the way that we saw it to get that point, you know? Yeah. Um, and there is something to be said for like, I don't know, like this isn't like watching a fucking terrifier like you don't need to just shock in every other scene right like right you know um you're obviously trying to be a serious drama can you do that at some point and that's like and that that really is the problem right there because terrifier it, it it knows that it's being a little funny by how over the top it's being i don't think that this film is trying to be funny at any point no i don't think us watching that pov of her giving a blowjob I think they thought we were supposed to be like horrified and, and upset that this is happening or something like not like looking around the room. Like what the fuck? Like, like <laughs> why are we, why are we watching this? Yeah. Like, it's just absurd. Like, you know, you can't, yeah. I don't know. I can't take that seriously. I yeah. maybe somebody also else maybe could. wasn't giving a very good one. So if she could like work on her skill, <laughs> talk to All Nancy, right. Nancy Reagan. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, definitely a controversial film this year. Yeah. Um, but I will say that the controversy is a little overblown. Like, I don't think it's a particularly great movie or even good movie, but I don't think it's like, like people acted like if you like talked about this movie, you were like doing something unthinkable or something like it's not that serious. Uh-huh. You're doing violence to Marilyn Monroe's dead body. I mean, it's very clearly, a, yeah, that's what people think. It's very clearly a fictionalized version of her life. Um, yeah. I don't know what it gets out of fictionalizing it in the way that it does. Like, I like I don't know what that contributes, really. Um, but it's obviously not meant to be like a, this isn't a biopic. Like, right. I think the film know? is more about what Marilyn Monroe represents as a exactly. cultural icon. Exactly. Similar. And that's why the movie spends so much time ta- thinking about like the difference between Norma Jean and Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Like, I think um, it, it's similar to Elvis as well in that it's it's not it it is a very over the top, non literal depiction of somebody's life, who is a famous iconic character in American history. Of course, Elvis was like deeply sympathetic to Elvis. Not that yeah. this movie is unsympathetic to Marilyn Monroe, but it does paint her in a very different light than I think a lot of people think of her in. Um, yes, that is, so, that is um, true. I think Elvis paints him in a pretty sympathetic light. Um, right. There's not uh, a lot of negative stuff about Elvis in Elvis. Yeah. Yeah. Quite but maybe the, a, 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 a criticism of the film. Is that yeah. There's, there's, there's almost yeah. not enough negative. There, yeah. there should be more perhaps. Yeah. Uh, but th- this would make an interesting double feature if you have like seven hours on hand. Yeah, you gotta have a lot of time. <laughs> this is a long um, double feature. All right, but with with runtime in mind, uh, let's talk about Cocaine Bear next time. Because yeah, let's not do that. No, That's too much. No, we like our genre watches, but um, we got it. We got to close things out. Let's talk quickly. Since we're at the end of our Oscars watch, or I'm almost at the end, 
I wanted to talk about like what we're glad we saw throughout this watch, because the real benefit of all of this is that we watched some good movies that we might not have checked out otherwise. Like maybe we'd say, Oh, I'll get around to that and then forget completely to watch them. So what are those movies this year that you're like, I'm glad I was forced to watch this and I came out for the better as a result. Okay. Uh, My first one is one I probably would have watched anyway, but I might not have seen it in theaters and that's RRR. Um, I might not have gotten around to seeing that on the big screen if it weren't for the Oscars watch. Um, um, And I'm glad I did. Super glad. I will be watching this many more times. Um, But some other ones are movies I definitely wouldn't have gotten to otherwise. I never would have watched Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Never in a million years. I would never would have forced myself to sit through that. And I am so glad I watched that movie. That was a very delightful film. And I am really, really happy I watched it. Um, I'm also like, I'm not a documentary person. um, But I'm really glad I saw All That Breathes and All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Um, those are two movies that I probably wouldn't have watched if they hadn't been nominated just because of the, I'm not a documentary person. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, I'm really glad I did. Cause I really, really enjoyed both of them like a lot. Um, See, so yeah, that's four movies. Um, what's, what's, is there a fifth one that I am I'm, I'm thinking of? Um, honestly, I never would have watched living. I never would have seen that movie. And I thought Bill Nye was really good in it. Um, oh, nice. yeah. I don't really care about, honestly, I don't really care about the movie other than him, but, um, I like, I thought his performance was quite good. I, I really liked him. Um, I also never would have seen the quiet girl. And I actually did really like that movie. I like really related to that little quiet. Girl. Oh, great. So yeah. Well, that's two of those I have left to look forward to then. Um, for me, I would start with my year of dicks um because oh yeah i didn't i mean the shorts just go without saying for me yeah i like yeah i mean it's it's i mean obviously we have very little chance of seeing a short if it's not nominated just because i do not watch that many short films um but this one this one was really great i loved how creative it was i love how many different formats it had and how it told such a personal story I thought that was such a nice standout for this year's animated program yeah, that I yeah, definitely I would not have seen otherwise. Uh, I also had Mrs. Harris goes to Paris on there because again, like that's just not the kind of movie I usually watch and judging it by like what I saw in the trailer and the title and stuff, I thought it was going to be kind of frivolous and silly, but I thought it was like really heartfelt and sweet and uplifting and the sort of movie that I actually really enjoy and would like to see more of. That was great. Um, Like you, I also had All That Breathes in there. Um, I may be a little more into documentaries than you. I I try to watch uh, some documentaries, but I I always appreciate a documentary that kind of breaks the mold and tries to do something different, and that's what I really liked about this one is that it tried to be like very cinematic – And it tried to build up these brothers as like real relatable characters and tell like a a down to earth, small story that had much wider implications on like a global scale. I thought that was really interesting and definitely something that I probably would have never even heard of if not for the Oscars. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Also uh, Puss in Boots, the last wish. I mean, Again, talk about judging a book by its cover. I would not have thought, oh, I've got to go see the sequel to the Puss in Boots movie. 
if not for the Oscars, but the animation. I, mean, I saw that is... before the Oscar nominations, so I couldn't say that. <laughs> well, I I would not have seen it otherwise. And the animation in this is just fantastic. It's so stylistic, it and the the action scenes are so cool and so fun. Uh, and it's it's got a really nice story with a nice message underneath it, and it doesn't dwell in like the kind of silly, gross out humor that shrek sort of became known for so i like that um and last of all i'll put a movie that i might have watched eventually but would not have gotten around to right away and i'm really glad i did after sun um oh yeah uh, yeah. i just i i absolutely love that movie It, it cut me to my very core and uh yeah i'm glad i saw that so that's a good one. I definitely would have watched about. that, so I couldn't say that. But it's yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you watched that. Yeah, um, it was good stuff. And um, why don't we close out by giving some of our picks for this year's Oscars, so that people can hold us Ooh. accountable? Because oh my god, the people, not the people. The people, okay. the pe- we need to be raked across the coals when we're incorrect. Now, let's okay. be clear. I, I don't, I'm not going to try to predict what the Academy does because yeah, we've tried I to do this in do the past. That. I can't do that. It's, it's hard to do. There's always so many different factors. And I really cannot even pretend that I've been following like the precursor race this year. Cause you always have to like pay attention to like who won the PGAs. Who won the DGAs and stuff like that? I'm like, I I have not had time for that this year. So I'm just going to tell you what I think should win. And if we, if, if the ones that we like win, we'll be happy. If not, we'll be sad. And you'll know, you'll know which ones we're rooting for. That's (laughs) what's important. All right. So which uh, category are we starting with? I'm just going down the line on the Oscars website. So let's start with actor in a leading role. I am going to say Austin Butler for Elvis. That's your favorite? I think so. Yeah. Nah, Paul Mescal for, for uh, After Sun. Easy. No brainer. Uh, okay. I don't think he's going to win, but that's my favorite performance. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's good. I really, I really did like his performance. I just, I can't get enough of Elvis, honestly. And I liked Elvis. I really did like Elvis, but Paul Mescal. I mean, yeah, no, I love, I love Paul. Um, Austin Butler was also quite good. I like all of these performances. Yeah. (laughs) Brendan Fraser. You're gonna say Brendan Fraser. I, I like Brendan Fraser. I think he would be my second, honestly, and I think he stands a good chance of winning. I don't know. I think he stands a very good chance of winning. Um. Um, it's kind of a shame. Bill Nye might die before he gets nominated again. So yeah, probably, yeah. You know, um, you know um, that that's the problem with the yeah. the older actors, especially when they're going up in a stack category. It's like also this. his first nomination. Yeah, Remember? I know that that's sounds, crazy. That's crazy. That's, that's crazy absolutely to crazy. Me. Um, now we talked about this before. There's so many first time acting nominees this year. It's crazy. Yeah. All okay. right. Well, that's actor. Supporting role. Oh, actor in a supporting role? Yeah, actor in a supporting role. Oh, shit. I, like, jumped to actress. So. Okay. Uh, ooh, who is my favorite? Well, man, I loved Kihai Kwan. 
Um, but you know what? I also loved Brian Tyree Henry. I thought he was so good in Causeway. Um, just so good. Absolutely, yeah. He was so good. I don't know. I really like the Best Supporting Actor category this year. I like all of them. It's a pretty good one. I'd love to see any of these people win. Maybe with the exception of Brenton Gleeson. No offense. I just don't think... I think the others did him better. Yeah. Yeah. He was decent, but probably not not the best of these. Uh, I would say Kihai Kwan. Yeah. I think I mean, he definitely... I think he's also it. like he, the easy favorite, but yeah, um, yeah, he he's looking like the favorite. He just he had such a great performance. To me, it's also such a great story. You know, like the the is, guy yeah, that we all so... watched as the kid in Indiana Jones, and now he's come back after mostly being out of the public eye, and gives this incredible supporting performance. Yeah, I'd love to see him win. I think that'd be so awesome. All right, um, actress in a leading role. Well, I think Michelle Yeoh is the favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think that that's who sense. I kind of... I mean, I'm kind of assuming she will win. I'm kind of hoping she'll win. <laughs> so, um, that's where I'm at. But I wouldn't be upset at, like... Actually, no, I really want Michelle Yeoh to win. Yeah, that's who I want okay. to win. I would say Kate Blanchett. I just... Interesting. I, I cannot get enough of Kate Blanchett and Tar. She, like, to me, it says something that people online are still talking about Tar as if she's a real person. Like, I really feel like that, like, that actually says something that Kate Blanchett really brought a fictional character to life to the extent that people either act like she's real or in some cases even think that this was a real person. Yeah. I think that that's really cool. Um, and it's just such a tour de force performance. So much of that movie relies on her excellence. Uh, I, I absolutely would also love if Michelle Yeoh wins. And I think she was phenomenal in that film and she probably is the favorite. Um, but it's hard I, to say I, though, because Kate Blanchett, I feel like, is always a favorite when she's. Not yeah, there. yeah, you can never count someone like that out. But we'll see. Um, that's going to be a very interesting category. All right, actress in a supporting role. Yes. Who's your uh, me? Um, I think I would give this to Hong Chow for the whale. I feel like she's one of the favorites. Um, no. Now I, I talked about this when we discussed the whale before, but I think that she is such an important part of that film. Like the entirety of what makes that film work, at least for me hinges on her performance. She makes uh, Brendan Fraser's character sympathetic by the care that she shows for him. And I love the way that she is able to portray someone who is worried for someone and angry at them at the same time. Um, right. That's that's a really nuanced performance. I, I love it. I did I did really like her performance in that movie. Um, if she won, it wouldn't be upsetting to me. Um, 
I honestly don't know who I want to win out of this list. I think that I'd be equally happy with literally all of them. Um, they all did a lot for me in their respective performances. Um, Hong Chow is a big one. I'd love to see Jamie Lee Curtis win just because it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, right. Yeah. I feel and like I it'd be cool that she cool has an her. Oscar win under her belt. Um, right. Because she doesn't often do the sorts of movies that get nominated. So it's not like she's going to have a lot of chances. Um, um, so I don't know. It's it's between the two of them, though. Um, although Stephanie Sue was also really good. Really, really good. Okay. Animated feature. Blech. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. No. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, I got to pull for Pinocchio. Yeah, you know, it's got to be Pinocchio. I've said it before. I I love this film. I love what Guillermo del Toro did with it. I love the stop motion animation. I love this unique twist on Pinocchio. There's just so much to love about this movie. Um, definitely my favorite. I would also be pulling a little bit for Puss in Boots just because that movie surprised me and it has some really top-notch animation. Ugh. yeah no um it's pinocchio it's got to be pinocchio and i think pinocchio i mean it's guillermo del toro they're gonna you know the academy loves them um but i want it to be pinocchio hands down no questions asked um if it were puss in boots i wouldn't be like devastated but if it were anything other than one of those two i'd be very upset yeah all right uh cinematography Ooh. This one, uh, I really don't know what to think about this one. There's there's a lot of different stuff going on here. Uh, I'm gonna... I liked Bardo. Um, Bardo has a lot of cool stuff going on in it with yeah. cinematography. Yeah, I liked Bardo a lot. I feel like Bardo might be my pick. Um, okay. With an honorable mention. Oh, ooh, I don't know. Ooh. Ooh, I don't know, Bardo, but I did like All Quiet. And an honorable mention to Empire of Light, even though that's a movie I didn't otherwise like. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot to be said about the cinematography in Empire of Light. You know, I discussed it on the episode where we talked about it. Right. But they like even as you were like, oh, this movie does not have the most going on. It's just like it's a beautiful looking film all the way. It through. absolutely is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pull for Elvis here. I, the cinematography in Elvis is just so crazy. It's so like it, everything about this movie is dialed all the way up. Like, I don't forget about 11. This is 15. Absolutely. Um, and the cinematography is included here. It is it, just, just so much that's done with camera movement, with color and light in this film. Uh, I got to pull for it. All right. Costume design. Uh-oh. There's there's a very interesting mix of films in here. Oh, there is an interesting mix here. Um, I feel like it's not fair for some of these. Like, no offense to Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, but your use of costumes is very different than something like Black Panther or Everything Everywhere All at Once or Elvis or even Babylon. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, um, Mrs. Harris—they're mostly trying to recreate a lot of vintage Dior looks, 
Right. Whereas a lot of these other films are like, what is the craziest costume we could possibly make? <laughs> right. So my, I, I loved a lot of these costumes, honestly. Um, I feel like Black Panther has a, a sort of edge just because people want to give Black Panther an award. Um, um, but I did really like Babylon and the costumes at Babylon. Mm -hmm. I thought those looked great. So I'd love to see that one. But if it were anything else, wouldn't be terribly upset as long as it's not Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. (laughs) Ooh, coming out against Mrs. Harris. I love Mrs. Harris, but I don't think it deserves best costume design over the rest of these. Okay. I'm going to pull for everything everywhere all at once here. I just, I think that there were some very off the wall designs in this one, especially the the stuff that Stephanie Sue's character wears. She even has an Elvis look at one point. She does. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. There's just so many crazy things in that one. I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to vote for it. Best directing. Oh, here. That's a big one. I mean, I got to think it's the Daniels. Yeah, I mean, me too. Me too. It, the Daniels. Just, they directed the hell out of that movie. <laughs> that movie has their fingerprints all over it. We, we see so much of what we saw in Swiss army man in this film. They're, they're crazy, quirky, vulgar, yet heartfelt style is what makes this movie work and what has made people fall in love with this film. Uh, so I think, yeah, they're, they're the favorites too, probably. I would, they have I would to be. Have I mean, say. this movie just wouldn't have worked if it were anybody else. I mean, it, you know, it has to be them. I have to give an honorable mention to, to Steven Spielberg. I mean, it goes without saying one of the most talented directors of all time. But just there's got to be special notice for being able to direct your own like early autobiography and make it a hell of a film like this. That is a very unique thing that few people have been able to do. I don't know if anyone's ever been able to do that. I'd have to (laughs) go research that. But it's very exceptional filmmaking. It does take a lot of skill. All right, best documentary. Um, um, all the beauty and the bloodshed. I don't even have to pull up my list. That's what I want to win. Okay, I unfortunately I still haven't seen that one, and I've heard good things about it. But I'm gonna have to pull from my favorite that I've seen so far, which is All the Breeds. Um, I also I just as a side note, I have to think that Navalny is probably the favorite one for this category. <laughs> Yeah, but, just because topical. Yeah, yeah, and it's been it's been winning a bunch of the other ones. This is one of the few that I know. That's that too bad. About. It's like one of my least favorite from this lot. <laughs> we will see on that one. Documentary can go a lot of different ways. That one can be unpredictable. All right, documentary short. Oh. I'm gonna say haul out. I just thought that was an interesting. Approach yeah, yeah, I want Hall out to win. Yeah, and it was a good, it was a good issue, and there was some unusual footage that we wouldn't normally get to see. 
Yeah, I agree. I want Hollow Twin. Okay. Uh, film editing. I mean, I'm just I'm gonna go in on Elvis again here because. Yeah, I'd just, love to see Elvis win. I mean, I, editing for Elvis. It might be most film editing, um, but <laughs> this one is like just there's so much that goes on, even in just the first five minutes of this movie, that had me going, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Although I gotta say, everything, everywhere, all at once, editing is pretty nuts. Yeah, and yeah, pretty great. That's true. That would um, be good too. All right, international feature. This is the one where I'm probably the most handicapped at this point because I haven't seen two of these. Oh my gosh, um, I don't want any of these to win. Um, I suppose I want the Quiet Girl to win. Um, because I definitely don't want EO to win. I definitely don't want Argentina to win. Close, I have mixed feelings on. Although I did like it. And All Quiet. I feel like All Quiet is easily the favorite. Um, yeah. Being nominated for so many other categories. Yeah. And also just because it's All Quiet on the Western Front. I mean. Right. <laughs> um, but The Quiet Girl has a different... I don't know. All Quiet on the Western Front. I liked it a lot, but it's a story we all know. Um, the Quiet Girl is is a little different. And I would love to see it win for that. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm going to pull for All Quiet on the Western Front. That is maybe... That's my favorite of the ones I've seen here, which is only three of them. But I'll I'll let you know if I change that. <laughs> and we'll, we'll give an update in the next episode. Um, all right. Makeup and hairstyling. Mm. Why the fuck is avatar nominated for this okay um it isn't what what i have it on my list I what are you looking at something makeup and hairstyling i've got all quiet on the western front batman black panther elvis and the whale oh yep i mistyped the categories are you looking? okay <laughs> i would say that would be pretty surprising you get nominated for makeup for a mostly cgi film uh, yeah well that's why i was saying why the fuck is that um okay so makeup and hair styling mm. this category is always kind of meh i i feel like i don't know enough about this to judge but um i'll say all quiet on the western front there's just like some great special effects makeup being done here I love the look that Paul has after he falls in the mud pit. That's that is a, pretty good. Yeah. a very iconic image that we've seen a lot of in the promotional material for this movie. Um, and it, I, I feel like it's very well done. Uh, all of that. You know, the, the injuries we get to see, just the, the grime and the grit of battle um, really is sold with the makeup in this movie. I guess I got to go with Babylon. Um, Wait, what? What are you looking at? I that's not why is my on list here. so different than yours. <laughs> what? What are you? Are you sure you're looking at makeup and hairstyling? I'm not looking at the Oscars website. I have my own list up. Oh, okay. Well, 
I am looking at the Oscars website. I can tell you that that is not on there. Are you sure you're not looking at costuming or something? What? No, I'm positive I'm not looking at costuming. Okay, what? I obviously just typed something wrong. Are you looking at production design? No. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter what I'm looking at because uh, no. No. I can read what the subject says. <laughs> I'm filtering as I as as we go to categories. Okay. Um, do you do you want me to read you the nominees? <laughs> then you I can pick. Why this one is so wrong. Makeup and hairstyling. Oh, I don't want any of these to win. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess. Mm, see, I don't like that. Like the Batman and the Whale and Elvis are all nominated for like one character. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. Um. Um, the Batman does have a couple different characters with interest. Yeah, but the Batman is nominated for the Penguin. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's the that's definitely the big one. Um, um, I guess I gotta go with All Quiet as well. Then um, I do like Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Um, yeah, and I feel like that might be the favorite. Um, but I, 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 I don't know. I don't have any. I don't have any feelings on this category. That's so, something you know, I could yeah. see them throwing to Black Panther. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. All right. Original score. You know it, baby. I'm pulling for Babylon all the way. Pulling for Babylon. So um, unique. So exciting and frenetic. Perfectly fits the tone of the film. One of the mes- most memorable parts of it, too. And again, Justin Hurwitz and Damien Chazelle making magic together. I love it. True. Um completely respect that i feel like i'm also pulling for babylon for original score so um yeah i tend to agree all right good stuff all right original song not to not to yeah gotta be not to for me not to not to is picking anything else is kind of embarrassing um so all right uh, let's save best picture for last, but yeah, it's weird. That scrolling, it's <laughs> scrolling past, uh, production design. Uh, I also got to pull for Babylon for this one. I mean, yeah, that's, those, that's an easy one for Babylon. Anything where like they show a place where I'm like, I want to be there right now. That's great production design. Yeah, it's and got it's that's got to be Babylon. The um, the design of the like the parties in this, the the different. Uh, Hollywood sound stages, all the design of that big shoot out in the desert and stuff. There's some crazy stuff in this film in terms of production design. Yep. Love it. Love it. Definitely pulling for Babylon. Okay. Animated short. My year of dicks. Oh no. Animated short. God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My year of dicks. My year of dicks. We said dicks. Yeah. Of course. Uh, live action short. It's Le Pupile for me. You, you're pulling for Le Pupile. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll say that too. I'll say Le Pupile. Uh, would not be upset if Irish Goodbye were to win. Nah, that'd well. be fine. That'd be fine, yeah. It's a good one as well. All right. Sound. We've got a unified sound category this year. No separation. Which is weird. Um, um, 
some of these are weird like top gun maverick all right um <laughs> um this is hard i'm always inclined to go with like a good war movie for sound because i feel like they do it so well and it becomes so frightening so all quiet i did really like the sound design in that movie um but i also really loved the sound in the batman oh yeah yeah so there's good. great stuff in there um I'll, I'll go with the batman i don't think it'll win but i i would love to see it win i'd love to say that it was an, an oscar winner so yeah you know what i'll i'll say batman too that there there's some great sound moments in this movie yeah i'm thinking of of course batman diving off of the police building oh of course and it, opening up that wingsuit there's yes. a lot of great sound in that scene and yeah it's just full of moments like that the stuff in the club yeah, yeah. okay so good great sound in that one visual effects i mean it's gotta be avatar avatar. I, what's avatar what's the point of this what's the point of this might as well um, just write the name on it already it's avatar all the way um, adapted screenplay adapted screenplay Mm-mm. you know okay thinking about it specifically from a screenplay perspective i think all quiet should be counted out come on um <laughs> um yeah arguably that's like the weakest part of it that like yeah. they didn't adapt the novel like a lot of people have complained about the way that they adapted the novel um, cut out some of the more salient bits women talking was like adapted for a non for the wrong medium no offense but it's like very strange um, <laughs> should have been a play um i think it's got to be glass onion by like kind of process of elimination here so um because i think living has some real problems with its screenplay uh, so i can't I go don't, with that one. i don't really like an adapted screenplay that's just based on a previous me neither i hate it i hate that but like i don't like any of these other options either yeah this is this is not a great category i'm gonna say women talking just because i liked the screenplay the most probably and i mean i haven't read the book i don't know if it's a great adaptation of that but i thought it it fit the film well enough i don't know this is this is not a great that's fair that's i mean i i think that's a if I weren't thinking Glass Onion, I just think Glass Onion is such a better screenplay than Women Talking. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's hard for me to like justify in a category where they're up against one another. Um, true, but yeah. I do think if Women Talking would be my second pick, and also if we're trying to exclude things that are adaptations just because they're sequels, then um, you know, I you know, definitely Women Talking. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh and best original screenplay. Well, I'm gonna say the Fablements. Okay. I think, that's a good one. I, I think really think like it's that. So screenplay. interesting what Steven Spielberg did with this, and the writing is a big part of this. I mean, he took his own early life and adapted it into a screenplay. That's really unusual and interesting. Right. I love the writing in Banshees of Inisherin. Um, so I'm gonna have to pick that one. 
Yeah. Okay. I really Great love one. the writing there. Banshees is fantastic. Very good writing. All right. And then the big one. Who are we taking for best picture? Everything everywhere all at once. I don't I don't need to I don't need to think about it. Yeah. It's gonna be everything everywhere. I mean, in my mind at least. It's it's deserved and probably the favorite. Um, it's looking like the favorite and in my mind as well, like I never saw this coming. I never thought that we'd be at the point where a film by the Daniels would be the favorite to win best picture. But if all that aside, I would be rooting for the Daniels because I love what they've done in general. I love what they've done with this film. This is an incredible work that they've put out there. And in my mind is the best picture this year. Absolutely. I mean, at least of what's been nominated. Come on. I mean, I feel like there's no contest, right? It's an incredible work of creativity. I mean, yeah, this it's just is... such a good movie. Um, it's got to win. It's got to. All right. And that's that's our Oscars for this year. When next you hear Oscars. us, we will have seen the ceremony. It's coming Ooh. up fast upon us yeah it'll be hoping hoping i've finished my race by then matt you will you've got four movies a toast to you uh yeah that's a pretty good place to be in you've been in there have been years where you had like three on the day of yeah no there there have been years in the past where i had to watch like three in the day of and like four the day before right so having only four left to go at this point is a pretty good place for me I'm feeling all right about it. You'll probably at least watch two more before the weekend and you know. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's going to be good. And we're looking forward to this ceremony. We'll give you our thoughts when the ceremony is taking place and we'll give you all of our snubs and flubs and whatnot. Snubs and flubs. Until next time. um, Find us on your favorite platform and give us a review. If you like what we're doing, you can reach out to us on Twitter at buzzed on movies or email us at buzzed on movies at gmail.com and give us all your Oscars hot takes. And once that ceremony comes out, you can pelt us with all of your Oscars takes. Let us know <laughs> like if you're outraged and let us know what you thought about the latest slapping incident that is bound to happen. Thank um, dear God. Let's hope there's none of that. Yeah. Well, here's how it And until next time, we'll see you at the movies. We will see you at the movies or uh, maybe at the Dolby Theater. Who knows?